Fox is back in business. It's the State of Combat with Brian Campbell, and it's back on CBS Sports. And you know it's back with a bang, stacked, jacked, underwritten and sponsored by that performance-enhancing audio. The One Fight Podcast you need in your life is right here, right now, brother. Coming at you, the Brian Campbell, without question, the voice that you hear. And I know what you're saying. Where you been? Where you been all my life with the boxing? I got too much wrestling on my timeline. Well, we, me, Big Red, we are back, folks. Back with a big show, too. There may not be a lot going on this weekend in terms of box to find out whether we care about. But, you know, we make the headlines ourselves. Amir Khan, Terrence Crawford stopping by this week to talk about their April 20th pay-per-view date. ESPN, Madison Square Garden, top of the pops. It's big time. It's fun. It's going to be great. I think that's man. Yes, Dwyer. That guy's going to be back on the show today. And a reminder... If you've missed this show, if you love this show, if you even like this show, hey, do us that solid. Spin it forward. Five stars. Apple Podcasts. I don't know. Spotify, SoundCloud, MySpace. Wherever you listen to this show, tell tell some friends. Go on there. Five-star review. Move the product forward. Let's do it right here, right now. My co-host, he's the internationally renowned uh, author, uh, Filipino TV icon, a New York Times bestseller, my best friend in box. The one man who I love to cruise together with. Cruising was made for box. Sushi not made for box. Oh no. No, 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 no. Rafe Bartholomew live and direct from the West Coast. How is it, brother? I'm doing great, man. You know, I'm, I'm eating sushi off my leg. I'm eating sushi off my butt. Um, you know, it's been a great week in boxing. What can I say? And I mean, I mean, I mean a little piece of, tried to get a little piece of sushi off of David Price's chest the oh other day. It God. didn't work out. For Have me, you eaten any of this, Rafe? <laughs> Salad. Salad's very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Well, the first thing I do. Is make him toast my salad. Have you had any salads with Kubrat Pulev and or kissed him by any chance, Ray? Not yet. I, I wish that I had been in Costa Mesa that night. You know, I might have gotten lucky. Brian. That's reckless <laughs> to try to kiss somebody when you have an open cut on your eye. That's reckless, Ray. Some people could be into it. You never know. If actually I knew a guy, I, I, it's not, not me, but I had a friend, Brian, who, who talked about this time that he got into a, a biking, he was going biking in the woods with this girl, like this girl he liked and she fell off the bike and, and scraped her chin, cheek a little bit. And it was like, he was a weird French dude. And he was like, she was so hot. And, and we were all like, yo, you are sick, man. What is wrong with you? Um, but you know, so, so there could be some guys out there. What I wanted to say, I've seen a lot of guys. That's what I always want to say that. But Brian. Well, the thing when you're looking at a guy though. I've looked at a lot of guys. You think there's something that you should do. Let's look. At the entire man. Yeah, yes, yes. Keep going, keep going. Oh man. Um, I think our, what we suggested two weeks ago on our last show, the name Borat Pulev might have been even more apt than, than we thought it was at the time. Wow. Like, it's not just the, I like, I like, he's out here doing all the inappropriate stuff. Yeah. What a wild week. And then new evidence coming out. I almost don't even want to get into that Kubrat Pulev kissing a female reporter. Her th- suing him, 
Then lap dance videos coming out after the fact. I don't. It's just what a. Uh, you know, and Ray, Rafe, when you're when it comes down to boxing, Dwyer was not wrong. Right. If you look at boxing hard enough, you're going to find people with colorful pass. Not just wearing boxing gloves. Not just wearing boxing gloves, Rafe. You can, you know, the media members, uh, people that work the corners, the, uh, the nutritionists. It's a, it's a wild bowl of soup there, Rafe. Yeah, I will say that, um, this media member, uh, is probably not the first, uh, somewhat unprofessional media member we have ever encountered in the sport of boxing. I, I, I don't, I think it's more unusual to encounter a professional appearing and behaving media member. Shout out to all my bros who are drunk half the time on yes, press row. Yes, we have seen that. That is uh wow. You know, folks, that's not the way men do. Well, they do. They do Dwyer. If you actually showed up at some fights and got away from the, you know, the Hooters in Campbell, California, you would notice this. one day, Rafe, one day, you and I will be in Cali. We won't be expecting it right. I'll be out there. You'll be there. We'll say, hey, you want to go to StubHub? You want to go to the House of Hardcore with me? And we'll be like, yeah, let's go see that fight. We go there. We see the regular LA favorites, right? Top copywriters there. Uh, our guy, Francisco Salazar from Oxnard. Great dude. He'll be there. Lance Pugmire. And then we look left. And guess who's there? Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. Oh my god, DwyerBoxing.com. Then we don't know if he's there for DwyerBoxing.com or... He belongs on my crime channel here on YouTube. I mean, this guy, Dwyer, he's multifaceted, Rafe. He's back, we're back, we're banging, I'm fired up. I know, uh... Not everybody listens to every offering from the State of Combat, Rafe. That's why we had to take a week off last week. A lot of wrestling with with WrestleMania. Look, big traffic driver. It's a big thing we do here at the State of Combat. So this week, you're not going to get your MMA fix, folks. Brandon Wise, my MMA co-host. I don't know if you've been following this, Rafe. Challenging me to a, to a boxing sparring match the next time I'm in the Fort Lauderdale office. This is getting pretty serious here. This is, uh, this dude's a, a tall drink of water. 6'5", probably 30 years old, probably about 250 wants to spar me for three rounds with the 16-ounce gloves. Dude, what, I know I'm washed. What, what, what are you getting yourself into here, I don't Brian? know. You're, we had an argument. a real man? We had an argument on the show, and, you know, I mean. If you're the bigger man, aren't you thinking, oh, I hope he does that against me? Well, that's what he's thinking. He's the bigger man in this. But, Rafe, I couldn't back down. This is my show. We got into an argument at the end. I was like, you want to spar? We're sparring, bro. I don't know if my ass can check cash the check that I wrote for my ass to cash. In a way, but it's your... I, I think what you mean, you could get a good look at T-Bone steak by sticking your head up a doctor's ass. Wait, no. No, um, no, no. You have to look at the entire man, Rafe, because you know the one thing about Danny? Danny has a stick. And he's not afraid to use it. I'll stop, Canelo. Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. Rafe, do I have any chance against prime Brandon Wise in a sparring match? Three rounds. Knowing I'm, I'm a man. Come after me. I'm 40. Well, here's what I, here's how I see this fight. Here's what it looks like, so to speak, Brian. It looks like two minutes in, you throw up on this man oh, and he quits. You That's, make him quit wow. by throwing up on him. Wow. All right. Thank you for, uh, thank you for, you know, yeah. All right. You know, by the way, I've already, uh, done a video YouTube prediction of this fight. Now I'd like to tell you where you can find it in my favorites folder right now. Yep. Yep. It is available right there. Uh, Rafe, uh, WrestleMania 35, uh, New York, New Jersey next, uh, this weekend. I'll be there. I'll be there the whole damn week. Uh, when was the last WrestleMania you watched, Rafe? I think people would be interested in this. 
uh, the Ultimate Warrior was involved. Wow, like Prime Ultimate Warrior, like WrestleMania yeah, 6, actually, 1990, it, Toronto, it, Skydome? It might have been the one where uh, he, where he gets to beat Hogan. Yeah, damn, that's 1990. Rafe, that's a long time ago. How many years ago is that, 27? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 29? 29, even more. Wow, Rafe, you have I'm not old. sniffed out of WrestleMania since then. Not even when the great Floyd Mayweather at WrestleMania 24 in Orlando showed up against the big show, no? No chance. Those things cost money, Brian. I I didn't even I never saw WrestleMania live, I don't think. I used to just get the VHS like a month later. All right. All right. It's not for everybody, Rafe. It's apparently not for you. Well, enough fooling around, enough jacking back, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? As they like to say on Twitter. Uh they're just jacking it from everywhere. Uh we should get into box because we've been off for a few weeks and a lot has happened both this past weekend, the weekend before. We got a lot of names to talk about here, Rave. Alexander Groves Dick. You want to start right there? Did you watch the Groves Dick in Philly at the ECW Arena, the House of Hardcore itself, 2300 Philly ESPN, KO5 due to injury over Dudu and Goombu, bro. Dudu's leg just, just went out, just doo-dooed him, man. The doo-doo man. Uh, that was a, that was a boring fight, Brian. There was nothing happening, uh, we saw Alexander Vozdik look better than Dudu. You know, I, I'll say, and I, I'm not, whatever. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not, this is not meant for as real criticism of, of Vozdik, but I was hoping that he would come out and really put a stamp on this, try and make a statement. Remember a few years ago when he, when, when I started getting excited about Vozdik was after his performances against Najib Mohamedi. Yes. And, Unieski Gonzalez, and he was destroying those guys. Well, he's got a and way better back foot game than those guys, to be honest. He's, he looks, his punches were sharp. His back foot game was on point. He had a stick and he was making them pay and he was getting them out of there fast. They looked like they didn't belong anywhere near the same ring with him. And to tell you the truth, those guys, at least record wise, aren't Oh, don't really have a lot of separation between themselves and Dudu Nagumbu. So I was kind of hoping that Vozdik would come out there and, and have a little bit of a statement and get this guy out of there fast and, and, and build some buzz behind him. Instead, we, and this isn't Vozdik's fault. We got a weird half stoppage or, I mean, stuff, weird fluke stoppage because of Dudu's calf. And that's it. We, we move on to the next fight. Wow. Against who? They were combing the desert for Groves Dick opponents and they were like, we ain't found ish. No, we did. We found a pile of doo doo. Here you go. Wow. What a crap matchup on paper, Rafe. And yeah, may, I, may I ask, Brian, did you say the phrase combing the desert because you had the film Spaceballs in your head? Because Tyson Fury has jacked his way into fighting the Schwartz. Oh, God. May the Schwartz be with you. What a friggin' joke. We can jump right ahead to latest news and just anyone that hasn't heard. Yes, Tyson Fury will make his June 15th ESPN Plus debut, probably from Las Vegas. And his opponent, unbeaten yet unheralded and unheard of, Tom Schwartz of Germany. Wow, this is a guy who was mandated to rematch Deontay Wilder, Rafe. A guy who has claimed many times, many times on this show, he'll never jack. He won't back up. He'll be there till he can't breathe. Rafe, he jacked for money, and now he's making us jack back to this crap. Here's a quote from Eddie Hearn. 
I don't blame Tyson Fury for facing Schwartz. Top rank are the ones who should be saying, what are we doing here? Again, fair play to Tyson. But when you've been mandated to fight Deontay, the rematch of supposedly the fight of the year, and you turn it down and walk away and fight Tom Schwartz, it don't look great. Your thoughts? It sure looks – I think it's just funny that now Anthony Joshua has the best opponent of these three heavyweights. And when we kind of groaned, pressure, we kind of groaned what, at the damn baby at first, right? Right. Yeah, everyone was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Wilder and Fury are going to fight again, and you're fighting Jarrell Miller. And now, well, Jarrell Miller at least – at least looks like a, I guess I don't want to sell Dominic Brazil short, but we, since we've seen him lose before, it, it, it's harder to, I just rank Jarrell Miller higher. And all of the momentum that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury kind of stole from Anthony Joshua, they gave right back to him. They gave it right back to him. And now everyone has their own side and we, it's, it's good for each individual's business and you can't really take that away from them. But it's going to be an ugly scene as we lead to one of those fights. I would just say I've seen the three opponents of the three great unbeaten heavyweights right now. Fury gets Tom Schwarz. Wilder gets Boobs Brazil. And Joshua gets Big Baby. And all three, it's in play. You should get beat by a man with titties. Come on, man. You got him. You got him. You got him. You got him. Please don't let a man with a, with a B cup beat you. All right, Rafe? It's Tyson Fury. He, we've seen him in a suit looking extremely sharp. Are we going to see a, the thinnest, lightest Tyson Fury ever? What, I don't even know what that's going to look like. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope that he's going to take this really seriously. It's not Surf and Safari hit, taking down that pinata. I mean, but what a, what an awful step back, Rafe. I get you know, what Top Rank's doing. You're trying to like reestablish, reset it, say, okay, we've got to trying now. to make stars out of all of the, uh, the, uh, what? The, all the unwanted, un, uh, unconsented kissers in the heavyweight division. But Rafe, Tyson you Fury, been... when do you see a, man, a boxer kiss a man on the face right before he fights him? I do stuff that people don't do. Yeah, like fight Tom Schwartz. Um, so here's the thing. It's like you could have picked so many other crappy heavyweights, and we'd been like, "All right, who's that real crappy six foot seven dude who took roids against Vlad? Marty Us Walk, Waka Waka. Put it right here. I'll take that. What about that fisherman that Deontay sent to hell? What's that guy's name? Duhapas. Yeah, Johan Duhapas. Give me that. Give me Arthur Spielka, Rafe. Right? Rafe, would you be more excited about Tommy Adamek or uh, or or Tom Schwartz? Well, we, since, since we just saw Adamek get sent to hell by Jarrell Miller, who had like the, the, the Wesley Snipe Sugar Hill one tear going down his face while he, while he sent Tom, Ad- Thomas Adamek to hell because it was his hero back in the day. Uh, I, I gotta go with Schwartz because I can at least pretend that since I've never seen or heard of this guy that he's going to come in with something. Um, it's, it's an ugly scene. By the way, you said the three great unbeaten heavyweights. There's a fourth unbeaten heavyweight and he might be a historic heavyweight like, and he carries he two was... kebabs with him, brother. Wow. And he fights pretty damn soon. He's a South paw. He's like a, uh, he's David Price. 
No, not that David no, Price. Sorry, <laughs> I'm crossing swords here. All right, anyway, let me end that analogy right there. Yeah, Usyk uh, is, I think it's May 18th in Chicago, and it was supposed to be Povetkin. That's now gone. But, hey, Carlos Tackham, not bad, Rafe, not bad at all. Although Tackham did get stopped by, uh, what, Dillian White, was it? He got, no, by Chisora. By Chisora, coming off the good performance against Joshua. Yes, yes, but still, very credible welcome to heavyweight moment. That shows you the difference in men- mentality, earning power, a lot of stuff. We did ask Bob Arum, though, about signing that contract of Tyson Fury, Tom Schwartz. We don't believe in yeah. Hey, Bob. Hey, hey, Bob. Uh, did you see that, that little, uh, hullaboo on Twitter of people trying to challenge that Bob Arum doesn't tweet, tweet for himself? And then Corner Man stepped in and said, yeah, he does. Then Dan Raphael stepped in and said, yeah, he does. And then Dan Canobio, our guy from, uh, CompuBox from Inside Boxing Live got on the conference call and was like, Bob, do you tweet for yourself? Apparently four times a week, Bob tweets for himself. You buy that crap? Because I got high. Because I got high. <laughs> because I got high. But seriously, do you buy it? Sure, why not? If he says he does, why is it? Who first of all, who the hell cares? Why wouldn't he? Bob keeps up with things. We talk, we talk to him fairly regularly. He, we, you see how sharp he is. There's no reason to believe why he wouldn't tweet. Other than anyone in this world who can get away from Twitter, please do it. Please, do, please leave it alone. <laughs> as uh, by the way, R.I.P. Not R.I.P. But um, sorry. Um, we'll get Nico there. Mascus, we'll get there. The, 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 the it's over. Dude. It's over. Leave me the hell alone tonight. Please leave her alone. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, uh, on that. Uh, so Gross Dick moves on. Nobody cares. He didn't fight anybody. On that undercard. Uh, remember this guy that was supposed to fight Terrence Crawford? T- tell me a guy Mean Machine beat better than Chris Algieri. Aviskis Kavaskowitz. Uh, Fought to a majority draw against Ray Robinson. Not that Ray Robinson. The other Ray Robinson. Apparently one that he didn't deserve. So does this end the idea of Bob saying, We don't need the PBC welterweights. We got champions on the rise for Bud to face like, like Rasputin in Kavakuskis. Rafe, did you watch this slop? Cause I sure didn't. Tell, save me. Here. Oh, Rasputin is a good one. Oh, he's got, he's gotten 10 lives. Um, I watched a little bit of it, and yeah, we've seen Mean Machine Kavialuskis or Kavaluiskis or Kavajaskis, uh, Sarunas Marshallonis. Now, he would be a good fighter. Um, we've seen him a bunch of times. He never looks special. He never, ever looks special. Now, he still is unbeaten, and I wouldn't be surprised if we eventually get forced to, to, to watch him take that L to Terrence Crawford. It will be a groaner. Um, just in terms of matchmaking, he's not bad. He's also, he's just not special. And yes, it's, it's crazier than ever. It, every time he, these other welterweights fight on top rank, the claims that, you know, when the, the, whenever Bob said, Bob Aram says that my, my Lithuanian and my Russian best Putin, they would beat any of those to PBC guys. Yeah. Stop no. that crap. Stop it. No. They won't. All right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't care about that. I can't care about that. Let's roll on here, Rafe. Uh, in London this past week in the zone, you mentioned it. Grown men willing to, uh, give each other Zerberts on, on their nipples. Maybe a hickey on your belly button. Cash Ali, a guy who, a service I did not have, fought 
the late great, well, no, he's still alive, six foot 13 heavyweight David Price, who gets sent to hell a lot. Apparently they had a fiery, like, press conference weigh in and people were looking forward to this. And then it ended up in a tumble. Cash Ali with a takedown and then he bit David Price's belly. It was sort of like the rib. It was like, you know, not quite the, it, not quite the belly, but it was underneath the, uh, underneath the man boob. Uh, it was underneath, he did get, he was getting beat by a man who didn't really, David Price didn't really come in with the titties this time. He looked in great shape. Um, but yeah, you could see, it was a nasty bite mark. You could see, you could see the teeth. You could see the impressions. He was, I don't know what he, maybe he thought that that's how you get a grill from Johnny Dang, but I wow. got news for you, Cash Ali. You are incorrect. Just like Muhammad Ali, they called him Cash and Ali. watch him bash this rave. Here's his quote afterwards. He was suspended, by the way, and he told IFL TV, there's no excuses for it. I think just the build-up to the fight, it's my first time boxing on a big stage. I was so pumped up. I just wanted to fight. The street mentality just kicked in. It was stupid. As mad as it sounds, when I ended up on top of him, boxing went out the window. I just thought, this is a fight now. It was stupid. It was out of order, and I apologize to him. Rafe, when, when if you do something bat-ish crazy, don't apologize afterwards, right? Play it up. Market it. Be Crazy Tyson afterwards. Look at this. Look at this eye. My kids have to How see this. How am I going to talk to my children after this? Hey, look what they did to me. I had to do it. I don't normally do interviews with uh Kubrat Pulev unless I fornicate with him first. Yeah, exactly, Rave. <laughs> Neither does Kubrat Pulev. Uh, speaking of fornication, Ryan Garcia, Rye Guy, King Rye was back this week, Rafe, on a DAZN card in your backyard of uh – where was that? Was that Indio? Indio, of course. Now, the, the Indio the, is not, like, really in your backyard, right? That's like Tim Bradley Coachella territory, correct? That is correct. It's about two hours from where I stay in Los Angeles, but it is a service that I have. I go there on uh, – you know, I've been there a few times for fights. I was there for, unfortunately, the first loss of the rooster. Yes. Uh, <laughs> is that Fantasy and, Springs? Fantasy Springs Yes, casino? Fantasy Springs casino. All right. Well, Rye Guy took someone named Jose Lopez and sent him straight to hell in two rounds. And then, and by the way, DeZone and Golden Boy really tried to team up to, to put Ryan Garcia over. To remind you, he does have Canelo's trainers now, Eddie and Chepo Reynoso. And we had Canelo backstage giving him advice, working out with him. We had Canelo in the ring during the post-fight interview giving him that rub like Floyd likes to do with like a Spence or a Gervonta. And afterwards, did you, I don't have the sound available, but did you hear Rye Guy basically like, F to Mayweather's like, I ain't afraid of these guys. I'm not afraid of you, Floyd. I'm not like just talking some major ish. Your thoughts? Look, I like like Floyd said, if he could, if Ryan Garcia could beat my guy Roley, then maybe I'll give him a shot at Gervonta. All right, all right. Um, well, Ryan I Gar heard it. It was stupid. It was dumb. Don't call them. I mean, even Canelo. There's a point you can't quite see. I don't want to go too far in assuming here. Because Canelo is not a very emotive person in general, right? He, he always gives you kind of the stone face. He, he, he has a little bit of that to him. But there was a moment while Ryan Garcia is like, nobody intimidates me. I'll mess you up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Let's fight on Instagram. Um, and Canelo, you could tell, I don't know. I got this feeling that Canelo sort of turns to him and is just looking at him like, do I really have to? Pump up this guy, this, cause Canelo, he was a hyped, good looking, young fighter that a lot of people doubted, kind of in a similar position as Ryan Garcia. 
But deep down, I, and he's proven it now, and he always fought like it. Canelo knew he was the real thing. He, that he was, he had an elite, this elite talent, and he was going to challenge himself and keep proving it and get there. And I don't know if he see, I, I, I would be curious. I don't know if he'll ever tell us for me. I don't think he would ever tell us honestly. I'm curious if, if Canelo actually sees that in Ryan Garcia or if he sees a kid with some flashy hands, some flashy flash and a nice following, a cute face. I got his t-shirt, but he ain't, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I he's faking the funk on a nasty dog. Flash, flash. The men want to be actually want to be. Well, what we know about Ryan Garcia right now is yes, you are the father. So congratulations. Did you see those? It does prove that, you know, and then I take advantage, and then when I shoot my shot, it, I shoot, you know, for the KO. Yeah, for, and he got it. He got one past the goalie there. Congratulations. And uh look, he's back. That's a win. Um People are waiting for him to get sent to hell. I'm cheering for the guy, all right? One million Instagram followers can't be wrong, Rafe. I'm still cheering. I think for the he's guy up though. to well over two, my man. Right, well, you know, at this point, who's who's asking? Who's who's counting? You, you know, you know what he got to do to really up his influencer game. Sleep with Floyd's daughter. Oh, I was not going to suggest that. I was going to say maybe, maybe take both of the Cianji Garcia twins. Oh, how dare out you on a date? How dare you? Just that... a date, like like Kobe and Brandy going to the prom together. That would be. Fiery. That would be spicy. That would be like in your a- face, Latin goonies. Angel can chaperone. Wow. Wow. Uh, that would sort of change how we look at the sport. Boxers looked at like is a, like a, a hood, hood sport. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would definitely change that. All right. Uh, Rafe, on that undercard before we get to, uh, the, the fine rooster, um, everyone's talking about this Miguel Cotto promoted junior welterweight prospect who got a win that night. Uh, Danielito Zaria, Zarija, Zarilla. I, I'm not woke on this guy. I was hoping that you were because you're a big time boxing fan. <laughs> well, I hate to let you and our listeners down, Brian, but I am not woke on that. Look, when has there ever been a good Miguel Cotto promotion like prospect that actually that actually lived up to it? We haven't had one yet. We, Alberto Machado is the closest we've got, and and well. Andrew Cancio kind of ended that train. Yeah. So I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that this fighter can't be good, but the deep undercard of a DAZN event where the main event is a deep undercard of any normal boxing event, uh, I did not watch. Did you catch Andrew Cancio on Teddy's Atlas's podcast? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, man. I like that. I'm liking Teddy's podcast right now. Like it's, it's not perfect. It's a lot of Teddy, but I'm liking it. I love you. I make you a Okay, okay, okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, on that undercard, as we mentioned, you know when they come. Oh wow! You know when they come to Fantasy Springs, they come to watch the rooster. You know he is gonna lose, and he did again, Rafe. He fought ten and six, Jeremy Ramos, and lost a disputed split decision, Rafe. Two in a row for the damn rooster, the guy we love, the guy who squares up like it's a game of Frogger and walks right into oncoming traffic like a prime Ruslan Provodnikov. And we got a little quote from him before the fight, Rafe. They know me as a rooster because I come straight in, but we're going to come in more smart. He didn't, well, he, I mean, 
certainly did that, but may, possibly. Uh, but uh, we'll have to check the DMs. But, yeah, he came in straight on, Rafe. And if you have the backbone, you can beat this guy. Yeah, well, look, as as much as I have uh, tried to push the, the folk hero image of the rooster, I, you know, I think we were always very open about the fact that what he was doing in there did not really appear to be an effective boxing strategy or anything, and, and that he throws those little baby punches that aren't really doing anything half the time and doesn't give, him, give himself any leverage or distance to, to land a decent punch. It's, but uh, it was so fun while it lasted. I guess, look, these are split decision losses. If they match him against really low level guys and uh, like a butterbean attraction, I guess it could work. <laughs> but geez, man, it's he a was, bummer. It, do you listen oh. to that weird post fight interview that some like low level site did with him and he was all giddy and happy and he's like, no, this is good. This is good. I'm fighting better competition. I'm not fighting bums anymore. This is going to make me better. And he's like, to, to be the man, you have to fight great men. Look, that is one of the funny, that is one of the great things about the Nico's character, right? Cause he has that insane lunatic smile uh, at all times about all things that it, he just, his emotional register does not seem to make any sense, right? I mean, but you know how he was that, raised, that's right? That's why I lo- fell in love with him that first night with Todd Grisham on the call, the case of Mountain Dew in the back, good old Roxy on the sidelines. And, and Nico comes to the, to, to begin the fight. Crazy ass Joker ass smile on his face, pow- touches up, touches gloves, and he's like, "Good luck, buddy." You know, I mean, yeah. that's the I like that side of him, but I blame I, he his gotta brother. Win some fights, sometime. I blame the way he was raised. Him and his brother used to bang it out all the time. Now you. All right, Rafe. Uh, wow, we're already we're already there. We're already there. You know, sorry. It's a bad weekend for rat tails, brother. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of rat tails in Spain over the weekend, your guy, not my guy, Kermin Laharaga, uh, was sent to hell. Luis Bella's guy, Kermin Laharaga, dropped his European welterweight title and was stopped late by David Avenison, a decent fighter, right? Once beat Shane Mosley for that like bootleg, bootleg WBA. Junior title that eventually Lamont Peterson took home that eventually went to Errol Spence and uh yeah so Laharaga is going to institute his uh, rematch clause apparently you care about this at all I like that I like that you know he he feels like whatever he 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 should get right he can get right back in there and win it back if he does <laughs> does that make him a real contender right away no I don't think so it's like once you have a loss to David Avenesian. You, I think people aren't going to consider you a, like, I saw some tweets last week suggesting that Terrence Crawford doesn't want no Kermit Leharaga. And I was like, look, I like this crazy rat tail guy with a knife tattooed on his stomach, but that is a wild ass statement. And I, I, I had to do some soul searching because I, I can't, like, I can't, I can't get all excited now. I can't let this happen to me again. You know, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. I've been fooled twice in one weekend by three rat tails. And Brian, (laughs) Brian, I think what it means is me and anyone else out there who feels like this, we have to stop trying to find the next Marcos Maidana. There may never, we never, we may never find that man again. He used to have a rat tail. You can look up the pictures. And so wait, are you, are you suggesting that to, to stop trying to find the next Marcos and try to find more rat tailed junior 
well, middleweights that fight like him. We should serve up the guy we thought might have been the next great rat tail champion, Nico Macias, and serve him to a comebacking Marcos Maidana as a uh, as a see if you still got it sort of. That uh, would be that would be fun. That would be interesting. It would also probably put uh, that would be an interesting test. I'd be down for that. No, I just mean that I think we. We love Maidana and for a minute and for, and, and to a lesser degree, uh, of course, you know, Lucas Matisse. They, they're these two bad tattoos everywhere. Jail tats. Badasses. Pretty good. Would, would really, could really crack. Uh, and obviously Nico Macias could not really crack, but Kermit Lajaraga can. And this, just this idea that they were these fairly tough. I mean, Matisse got exposed a little bit. His toughness is now uh, not not quite so uh, established. But we have a new Madonna. Bobby Pacquiao, and his name, yeah. Say, right, let me say exactly. first something, yeah. But but just trying to find this new folk hero, awesome looking badass, great power. You just get excited to see them fight. Always fun. You, you we're always on the lookout for him, whether it's in good old Lewis Ritson or 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 Leheraga or Nico Macias, any of these guys, and and I just don't know. It's it's asking too much of these people. You and that's know? what we, made there, Jason there is Litzow only special. one El Chino. That's what made Jason Litzow so special, and why I love the American boy from Minnesota because he was a dirt hole like these rat tail guys, but he was like a classy, cleaned up version, not on the inside, but on the outside. He was like this teen heartthrob and. Hey, when he beat Celestino Caballero, I was dancing on my couch, Rafe. I'll never forget it. All right. Then others, yes, sent him to hell. Adrian Broner left him in hell, but that's the way it goes in boxing. Wow. All right. Uh, Rafe, that'll wrap up that part. Oh, also in recent weeks. Hey, we got to talk about this. This may have been your 2019 front runner for fight of the year. Tell me if I'm crazy. Sergey Lipinets, a guy who I predicted would stop Lamont Peterson. And surprise you, did just that in a possible fight of the year here. There was about 10 insane back-and-forth phone booth rounds, and he stopped 35-year-old Lamont Peterson to the point that Lamont Peterson has now stopped fighting professionally, Rafe. Wow. I think Lippinette showed you that, yeah, he lost to Mikey for the belt at 140, but he really pushed Mikey. He made Mikey bleed. And now he's a player at welterweight, Rafe. This is a big leap type of win. Were you not entertained? Yeah, Lipinets. I think actually, if you talk to Errol Spence, he will mention the Lipinets fight and 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 that moment where he made Mikey bleed. And he said at that moment, he he said Errol said to himself, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Wow, wow. Um, this guy Lipinets with Joe Goosen in his corner for the first time, Rafe. He fought like a Joe Goosen fighter. I love this marriage. Love. Love Rafe because Lipinets don't care. He's a destroyer. He's the samurai. He, I've talked to him. I did that PBC face to face with him. There's no panache to his personal life outside of his love for chess and his family. He, he wants to brawl and fight and just make it ugly. Brian, um, let me, let me pour some water on your balls no, no. here. This was a great fight. This was, I, I agree, the front runner for fight of the year, which I think a lot of us might say has a little bit to do with 2019 having very few good matchups so far. However, this was a well, well-matched fight played out wonderfully in the ring back and forth. Lamont Peterson up on the cards when he got stopped brave effort. Like he always gives Peterson, but are we actually going to be like, 
going into having a having a tough fight that you that you that you win by uh, that you win with Lamont Peterson in the last fight of Lamont Peterson's career at a weight that he was never a true contender at. Oh, how dare you? Sergey Lipinets a contender at this. Yes, good yes, it does. Yes, it he, does. He'll be of good. He'll be Lipinets. The good thing about him, you could throw him in against any of these uh top 147 pounders, and he'll give a good effort. He will last half the fight probably, and he'll take a good beating and keep coming. But he ain't beating any of those guys. He ain't pushing any of those guys. I'd like to see him against Danny Garcia. He'll push that. He'll push that guy. He might get stopped, but he'll push that. Look, he's a crafty yeah, brawler. He'll, he'll pressure them, but they, they're just so – there's a class of Rafe, this. He's thing. a crafty brawler. There's class in what he does. He's an aggressive brawler, but there's like real class and angles and some technique to what he does. Yes, I agree. There is some. He's not – He's he, but – it isn't enough. These these are just better. He, 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 that performance, if you're fighting that closely with Lamont Peterson, I mean, you you saw Lamont Peterson fight Errol Spence last year. Yeah, now, I had Errol I, I had Errol Spence by the murder. Cream of the PBC welterweights, but there, I, I just think there All is right, a true his gap in, in, in what, level. What's his ceiling at welterweight? Looking good and losing to Danny Garcia because I think he could push even a Sean Porter. I think he can push him. I think he's a sneaky opponent for a Sean Porter, and he might be able to win it. What's his ceiling, Sergey Lipinets? Come original right now, Rafe. Step up. Bring it. Yes, I think his ceiling is losing to all of the champions at 147. I don't know. He showed me something. He showed me he can get to that next level. And Joe Goosen trains you so that you better effing get inside on him. I mean, he will get the most out of you. He willed John Molina to stop Mickey Bay. Um, let's, 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 let's actually, when's the last huge moment for, are, are we really, Joe Goosen, I love him. Oh, don't do as it. As a person no, to talk to, I love him. No, Venom. no, don't. Since, since Chico Corrales, really, what are we pointing to? Uh, Molina stopping oh, Mickey Bay. Great. Oh wow, that was a wonderful uh, he wore moment an on awesome, Friday night fights. He wore an awesome wore white box. Was that showbox? Come on. Yes, man. he wore an awesome white jumpsuit in the corner of Travis Jr. when he got stopped by Fanfara. Um by the way, remember that time that I was out for steak dinner at the Palms in Vegas and Mickey Bay was at the table next to me and I was like taking secret pictures with my phone and I was fired up, dude, Mickey Bay's at the table next to us and you no sold me over DM like hardcore, like I don't care. You think I care? You think I care about that guy eating that dinner at that table next to you? No. At all. How dare you, Rafe? I was, I mean, Mickey Bay, dude, Mickey Bay. I, how? Why is it that Mickey Bay is the one boxer who you saw in Las Vegas and were not emboldened enough to? Were you just? Did you not have enough of the the Vegas juice in you at the moment to go hug him and say, "Champion, Campeon, Huevos"? No, I, I, that, no, 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 no. Anyway, but look, when we're off the clock, Rafe, we're fans, right? That's why we take casino pictures with Rocky Juarez, right? That's why when we yeah. see our campeon, we get excited, you know? I got excited for Mickey Bay, and you didn't care. Anyway, I get what you're saying. Is Joe Goosen more of a legend because of what he did with the Ruelas's in the 80s and the fact that he dresses so great and the fact that he willed Corrales to the greatest fight in our modern lifetime? Maybe, but he's kind of like a Freddie Roach where if you hire him, 
you're you better be ready to to be offensive. And and that's yeah. what he adds to you. He's adding to Lippin Yetz. And I got to give you another tip, Rafe. Just for a second. Just, just, just to see how tip. it feels, and you can analyze this all you want. I have a group of analysts who receive the tip, they review the tip, uh, they analyze the tip information and determine what type of tip it is. Just for a second, Rafe, I want you to see how this feels. Never count out a fighter from Kazakhstan, whether it's Gennady Golovkin, whether it's Sergey Lipinets, whether it's Christina Hammer on April 13th against Clarissa Shields. Oleg Maskayev? Never count out a Kazakh, Rafe. How dare you? You know, you know, you know who will count out a count uh, a Kazakh? My man James Tony. He will count out a Jirov. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, look at this! Oh my God! Oh, rest in peace, the great. He was a great. You know, he he called the great fight. I'm still a George Foreman guy. If I'm picking one fighter analyst, let's let's say like for a dream fight. You can pick your crew. Probably most people are picking Lampley. That's fine. People may pick Merchant for that number two chair. But I'm picking George Foreman for that third one. He was great, Rafe. I think I would go Campbell, Farhood, and Malinaji. Wow. Who's play-by-play in that? Who's who's P-by-P in that? Farhood? I I don't know who's I, I you tell me I don't I don't I don't even know the difference. I forgot you hate boxing and you hate boxing broadcasters. I forgot about that salty side of you. All right, Rafe, let's roll on in the show. Right? I don't have time for this, but what a great fight, Lippinets Peterson. If you haven't watched it, check it out on the Fox Sports Go app or in my favorites folders. Thank you, thank you, Dwyer. Thank you. Hey, we got a lot of Dwyer on the show. I thought we well we took a couple weeks off, right? We 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 cleaned ourselves up. We we got sober. We dried up a little bit, and now we're we're okay with it, right? You okay with it? I'm okay with it. All right. I'm I'm okay with a little more Dwyer. I can I can I can live like this. I'm ready. All right. All right. Um I want to know how Tron is living. Hey, we mentioned Kubrat Pulev in this whole rid- ridiculous situation. And by the way, we might have made some jokes. Obviously him no matter no matter the relationship or situation, him ending in a post-fight interview with a female and like kissing and advancing on camera like on camera or not it's a it's kind of a dirt hole move the whole thing is no that big- is that is literal that is the literal definition of sexual assault yes, everyone it- listening does not matter what the person is wearing does not matter what ridiculous things they have done in the past or will do in a few hours you cannot rock up to anyone grab them on the face and kiss them on the lips or anywhere in their body yes. that is that is that it, you cannot do that and for you know you could for all the the other valence factors the only thing that that a that the, the sort of the only legal thing here is what Kubrat Pulev did in that moment. You just can't do that. Hey, man, don't be a blank. You know, hey, you're really gonna act this way. You're really gonna be buffoonish. I mean, what we found out is Pulev saying, "On do what you like," and if you missed it, Rafe, he's the one that said, "Just grab him in the biscuits." No, you can't do that. You can't do that. All right, it's 2019. Athletes sleep with a lot of women, but you can't do that. On but camera. they don't go around grabbing biscuits like that. That is true. In the end, Pulev in that fight, though, on ESPN, got a push, came in with abs. I'll give him credit. He's being propped up as a potential Fury opponent, and he rallied after a really bad cut over his left eye, in which I thought the ship be sinking there to stop Bogdan you. Kind of heroically. I mean, it was a fun little fight there. Dean, you though, post fight filing a protest to the Connecticut State Athletic Commission for a rabbit punch. Rafe, does he have a, a cause, a case here? When has anyone, anyone ever gotten in trouble for a single, for, for a rabbit punch? When, when does that ever 
ever lead to overturning a decision? When does a protest ever work out in boxing? Even, even, actually, all right, I can think of one. Who was it that got knocked out after the bell in a Friday night fight's main event in, it was like in Minnesota. I think it was our Hennis Mendez either got knocked yes. out or knocked somebody out. It was Rancis Bartholomew. Yes. Oh, it was, it was late. It was not intentional, but they did make that a no, a no decision and they had to have the fight again. Other, and that was the one where Teddy was going crazy trying to argue that, that the punch was legit, even though it was a solid 10 seconds or something after the bell. <laughs> like, Teddy, um, I know that he started the combination before the bell, but assuming he heard the bell, there should be something in his training as a boxer that made him stop. Anyway. He make, um, he make he, him flip cheeseburgers. Uh, I would say that Kubrat Pulev's biggest worry from the California Commission is not going to be Bogdan Dinu's, uh, protest. It's going to be them looking into his, his, his yeah. activity That's out assault, after the fight, brother. kissing, kissing the reporter. Yeah. And He's going to get suspended over that. And obviously the story took crazy turns with some lap dance video being thrown out there. I'm not going to judge anyone on any side. The whole thing is, is pretty ridiculous and I hope that, you know, it gets sorted out and we can move on from it, but it's, it's bad. That's a bad move there. As we mentioned there, for, uh, he looked good in the fight. He rallied back. Uh, uh, he's gotta be, he's a player. If he's going to fight Tyson Fury, I know there's a, there's a significant height difference, but he's a player. He's in that fight, Rafe. No, he's good. He's, he, he's always been solid. And, and I, I respected his performance against Vladimir Klitschko when he stepped up in the, what, 2015 and did that. He fought well. He pushed Vlad a little. He made Vlad come out of that Vlad shell of just, you know, jab, grab, jab, right, grab, jab, jab, grab, G, jab, G, jab, G, grab. Then he pushed Klitschko out of that mold and made Klitschko knock him the hell out. Uh, which, which, I mean, he, he and so, and, you, one thing I think in various walks of life now, we can probably say that Kubrat Pulev does not give an F about a lot of things, many things, yes. all sorts of normal modes of behavior. He's not, he's that guy who's going to go out there and do what he feels like he needs to do in that moment, which can be very good in a fight. So yeah, I mean, I would be up for that fight. If he gets suspended, Brian, it could be pretty – it's kind of a monkey wrench in the top-ranked program though because we know boxing commissions. They don't care about PD usage so much. If you get popped for that, they'll give you six months. But if you do something that embarrasses them in the press, you're out for a year. Yeah, so California if, will drop if, the bomb Kubrat on Pulev you. ain't no spring chicken, right? He's what, 37 already? Yeah. 38? If yeah. he's out for a year, that screws things up a little bit. Yeah, we're going to have to watch that closely because there's a very small pool of potentially fun heavyweight opponents for Tyson Fury. It's Kubrat Pulev and it's everybody else, Rafe. So that's uh that's going to be interesting. But look, good good win there, good good comeback there. I'd have to watch the tape closer on a rabbit punch. I don't really remember one. Do you? No. I don't No, I don't remember and it's uh yeah, it doesn't I don't I I don't get it. All right, let's talk about what happened on this broadcast. It was a little weird. You got a four-man booth overlooking the arena. You got Joe Tess on your left, followed by Tim Bradley, Andre Ward, and Kriegel on the timeline. And then Tim Bradley did this. It's a great time to grab big cash mm. in the heavyweight division, Tim. Yeah, you, you said it right there. Big cash in oh, the yeah. division. What, whoa, whoa. Look at this, baby. Heavyweight division. Everybody in the heavyweight division need to pay homage to Floyd Mayweather for making $100 million possible in the sport of boxing. Pay homage. 
the Floyd Mayweather and all you B-level heavyweights. It's real. All you B-level heavyweights out there, baby. It's real cash, and you know it. But Chris like for the listen to me. Just like just like the little Dory the fish says, just keep winning, just keep winning. That's all you guys have to do to line up with. But, Either but, the three guys, you know, in the heavyweight division, the what? top guys in the heavyweight division, that's all you got to keep doing. Even win, win, win. Let me explain something the sweet to you. to get a shot at the title and big money in the sport. Let me explain something risk. to you. Thank you, Floyd Mayweather. Um, yeah, so, Rafe, a couple things here. One, I love me some Tim Bradley, so we know that established. One of, easily one of my three favorite fighters to have covered and watched in this era. This was really weird though. He's, he's, he's making it rain with a pile of hundos that look to be damn real. And it didn't really make a lot of sense. Like it's a fun viral moment. He's throwing cash all around. But did you see the faces of Andre Ward, who did break character and make the joke a couple times is that Pacquiao money that people liked? But outside of that, he had like a what the hell are you doing face and Kriegel was like embarrassed by the whole situation. And at the end, Kriegel grabbed some and Bradley was like, I see you touching that. Take that home with it. You can have it. And then Kriegel was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want it. And then did you hear that little jab in there by Tessator randomly goes, is that bail money? It was, a, it was just a weird segment. And at the top it off, it makes no sense because here's the deal. Heavyweights in America, even that great Fury Wilder fight still only moved 350,000. There's no Floyd connection. Anthony Joshua's the money man in this division if you fight him in England. And it has nothing to do with Floyd Mayweather at all. Not even remotely connected. What the hell is he talking about? It was not the, uh, the best point. I, it would, yeah, it does not follow. And then all of, all of a sudden we're talking about Dory the fish. Is that from like Finding Nemo or something? I don't even know what that had, where that comes from. But yeah, it was not the most cogent argument. This is not something you want to stand before the Supreme Court and try to deliver without getting picked apart. But it was funny. I didn't mind it. I like, he was definitely going. I mean, you, you are the wrestling expert. There, it seemed like there was a little bit, he was trying to do some, some promo kind of tones in there when he was cutting the, like, and all you heavyweights out there better thank <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. Also, yeah, the, the weirdest thing is you keep mentioning Floyd. I, that part doesn't make any right. sense. The point because... of his rant is if you're an average heavyweight, just keep winning and you'll potentially make more money than you ever would have because we have three marketable heavyweights right now. But in, it also kind of came off as like a weird top rank infomercial like, hey, we got Tyson Fury on this side of the street now. So anybody out there, like, come over. Because what the hell does Floyd Mayweather have to do with that? Nothing. I Yeah, about as much as he has to do with uh, with Ryan Garcia's career. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right, Rafe, we got to get into latest news. Do you care? Our interviews and all that. But before we do, let's hear from our friends and sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world. 
RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, Rafe, we're back. We got to run through a lightning round of news that we missed over the past few weeks before we throw to our guests of the week. Uh, we, we mentioned it that Wilder, while we were gone, did choose Dominic Brazil, as we thought, May 18th, Barclays Center. The big shocker was A, that he turned down all that disown money, and B, that he wanted it, and it was his call to be on regular showtime. Thank you for, for boxing fans everywhere, and not a pay-per-view fight. There were a lot of reactions coming out of this whole dog and pony show they did with the press conference it was one of those rare breaking news moments that we didn't no one broke we didn't see it coming you care you excited well well well, i i believe it was broken incorrectly about four times before it uh then was announced so uh shout out to everyone's sources exactly um so it's better for boxing and for fans of course that this fight a mandatory is on regular showtime and by the way it's not a bad fight by any means it's gonna be fun to watch they hate each other they both bang they're both like six seven and more it's gonna be wild but the whole idea of wilder turning down the, the giant to zone money how is Heyman making this work rafe i don't know we don't know it's none of, I mean, on some level, it's none of our business as long as all the people involved are getting paid what yes. they're agreed to get paid. You made that also, take two not, weeks ago, Rafe, that why, why do we care who's accepting what money and, and cash? Like, shut up. We just want the fights. Well, yeah, exactly. I think we care because you can't totally, you can't totally divorce the business from the, the kind of fights we get, right? If we're not putting some pressure on to, for, for promoters and networks to generate the revenue necessary to get, to make good fights happen, then we never get the good fights. But at the same time, the obsessing, the idea that the only thing that matters sometimes to some fans, it seems, is who's making more money or who's getting better ratings. Like I, if, if it's a great fight and I'm the only person in the world who watched it like a good, Nico Macias fight, for example. Uh, I don't care. I got good boxing. I'm happy. Um, and, and so I think it's that balance is, is important to remember as a fan. I also think that although it was surprising that Wilder turned down the guaranteed money from the zone in this case, because he says he likes to, he values that, that, that free agency kind of deal where he can go fight by fight and assuming he keeps winning, Increase his value and, and increase his leverage to make more money. Obviously, the, the, there's a big risk doing that in the heavyweight division. I mean, go back in, go back in time. There, you don't have to go back far. We can remember plenty of examples in our lifetimes of unbelievable heavyweight upset. Hasim Rahman over Lennox Lewis. Like, you can mess F around and get your whole money messed up. And so Deontay Wilder's taking that chance with this because he's saying, okay, Showtime is going to give me the same money or probably going to give him enough money to, to turn down this first fight with Dominic Brazil, which was reported to be worth $20 million for Wilder from, from the zone. So he's like, okay, I'll make the same money there somehow, and then I'll be free again. We can go right back into talking to Joshua, and maybe I'll be able to get a better deal out of that. Now, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. I don't think it. I'm not that upset. I'm not upset about it because I don't feel like it brings us any farther away from a Joshua or a Fury fight for Wilder. 
he can that as soon as this fight is over, assuming he beats uh Dominic Brazil, then it we we're right back in it calling for him to fight one of the other two top heavyweights. So I I I'm not I don't mind that. I think I kind of think here's what I think may have played a role in that we've we've seen it's been a rough or a slow, not rough, but it's been a slow first half of 2019 for Showtime. PBC obviously is deals with Fox and Showtime. They're splitting up the fights. Some of the bigger name fights have ended up on PB uh, on Fox. And then the Showtime fights, you know, like like Pacquiao and and Broner that could have been a big Showtime main event was a was a pay was a pay-per-view. So that doesn't go to the network. Uh That could so, never be a Showtime main event financially just so you know. I sure, but there I just mean it's uh, they, they haven't been able to have Showtime Championship boxing big main events so far yes. this year. Yes. And I think maybe because of all the loyalty that Showtime and and PBC have shown uh Deontay Wilder and bringing him up over all these years and and helping him reach this level of his career and his own and the the, the fact that he likes to this idea of himself as a free agent they were able to decide, all right, let's, let's throw Showtime a bone here. Let's get the money up for Deontay to fight on regular Showtime. So, so that Showtime isn't left out in the cold in this boxing bonanza times. And this really does make their calendar. Now, it also might make it that we don't see another good fight on Showtime for the rest of the year because yeah, how it's so much damn the, expensive. How much of but, the budget went to, went to keeping Deontay on here? That's going to be an interesting question. Also, I, I don't know. Well, well, we'll know. We'll see. We'll, we will see what fights get made on Showtime for the rest of the year. And, and if they, uh, if they shot their whole load on this. Oh, God. I mean, do I have to? Do, you, do we have to, Rafe? Do we? You know it. I mean, you know. You know, I'm tired of getting the taste of it. I want the whole load. Now, yeah. yeah. Well, Paul Pierce, they may have given the whole load to Deontay right there. So, Rafe, coming in two weeks ago, before we knew all the details, we were rightfully like, what the hell is going on here? How could Deontay turn down a hundred million? You wanted generational wealth. You were guaranteed two fights against Joshua in this three or four fight deal, depending on who you're talking to here. I actually think coming off of this, the thing, the, the, the details that have come out do make sense from this point of view. I think I was wrongfully saying, what's Heyman going to do? The thing is, I know we look at Heyman as a promoter and a manager. Like, you know, the whole idea is he really violating the Muhammad Ali Act because he keeps these promoters at bay that he uses when he wants to. But at its core, he's a manager. Yes, he has financial ties to Showtime and Fox and has to produce good matchups. But if he let Wilder go, if Wilder wanted to, he's a manager in that case. And here's the deal. Keeping him as a free agent long term, if you're going to take that gamble, like you mentioned, is a smart financial play because he would be guaranteed 40 million to fight Joshua twice and in his, for each fight. And in his mind, he can make more if they do a two network pay per view eventually with that. And the key part of this is Joshua's not officially a disowned fighter. He is each fight if they pay him the most, but Eddie was smart from the beginning of never making AJ an official have to fight on his own guy. So by staying a free agent, if you're wilder, it's not about what did Heyman give him for this fight to keep him happy. It's about what could Heyman get Showtime to give Wilder for this fight to make him happy, like you said. And it's about if he stays with the zone and he and Deontay said he had fear. He didn't sound in the meetings. He thought that they were arrogant and he didn't sound like they could guarantee Joshua. They could guarantee the money, but they couldn't guarantee Joshua because Joshua is not technically a DAZN fighter. And that was part that gave him pause. So in his mind, why am I going to lock up for three or five fights with them 
which would take me out of ever fighting Tyson Fury in an ESPN Fox co-promoted pay-per-view, right? It would take him out of ever. He might want to take another L to Fury first. I feel you. It would take him out of ever fighting AJ in some kind of, because what, what, what Hearn has been saying, and look, there's a lot of lying going back and forth in the whole AJ versus uh, Wilder talk going back a couple years now. But what Hearn keeps saying is the biggest bidder is going to win in the end. And he's right. In the end, AJ's not a DAZN fighter. If Wilder Joshua is actually going to happen, it'll have to happen outside of DAZN, and it'll have to happen in some kind of like Showtime or Fox pay-per-view where they just throw the boat at these guys. So that is the one place where some of this logic starts to fall apart because if you're talking about each fighter walking away with upwards of fifty million dollars and from 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 pay-per-view money, what makes us think that these fights are going to generate that kind of pay-per-view interest? The la- that we haven't seen AJ on pay-per-view. We have seen Wilder on pay-per-view. It was a it was a wonderful fight. It was the biggest event of last year. And they got what three hundred twenty-five thousand. Now there's a good reason to believe it could be more because of just the names involved. Of the the fighters have all elevated themselves since they're in the conversation. It could be worth more. But to listen to and we it's the the obligatory Fistionados Evan Rutkowski, former HBO marketing employee podcast shout out of the week. Um, he was estimating that. To make that kind of money, to get that money player, they're going to need to sell 1.5 million on both. We haven't seen that happen in a long time, Brian. Right. And, and look, Wilder Fury, fantastic fight, almost the fight of the year. Best heavyweight fight we've seen in a long ass time, short of, by the way, AJ Klitschko, which was fantastic as well. Um, it only did like 350. So you have to think, that fight got more attention the night of than it did leaning in because it was so great. So if they had done a rematch right now, could it have done double? Oh, yeah. It could have done double. So the idea is can we get to one and a half with two unbeatens building it up like they're both knockout artists, like they're finally facing each other in some form of Mayweather-Pacquiao? I hear what you're saying. There's It's a gamble. It's a long shot. And if you're if you're Wilder, you're turning down that long shot for the kind of guaranteed general generational wealth with the zone that you said you wanted. But don't you want to be in a driver's seat when if if it, if and when it's actually going to happen? If you can actually get 1.5, don't you want to have some kind of control and not just be bought for that fight? That is true. He does. Yeah, and and I think that he preserves that and, and I kind of think my guess is that they both win and they use it for more leverage. They use the threat of, or not the threat, the suggestion of pay-per-view as another alternative to basically squeeze more money out of DAZN. This fight may end up on DAZN regardless, but they get the money they're looking for. And if they get the money and we get the, fu- and we get the fight, then we should be happy. Everybody gotta eat, baby. I was actually impressed by the end. You're right about that. Everybody's gotta eat, baby. I was actually impressed in the end by Wilder's decision, as wild as it sounds. Now, let's talk real quick. We don't have a lot of time in the show to go out down this road, but since we were last on, DAZN made giant news when they doubled their price for Monthly subscribers on a month by month basis. So outside, it used to be $9.99 no matter what. Now if you want to subscribe for just one month, like let's say you have to see Canelo Jacobs, you have to pay $19.99 now, double the price. But if you're a yearly subscriber, the price actually goes down from $9.99 a month to about $8.33, give or take a half cent, because they've lowered the price, but you have to book for 12 months. So when this news came out, Rave, I gotta say, 
It was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. It was incorrectly reported by a lot of people that DAZN doubles the price. Well, yeah, they're doubling the price if you're a one-month guy. But the whole thing was, if they're quote-unquote killing pay-per-view, you're never going to be able to kill pay-per-view at just $99.99 a month. So in my eyes, if you're... If you got a lot of people that are just going to come in for one big fight, this is smart because I'm sorry, 1999 is still a lot better for a Canelo fight than 74.95. And if you're going to go yearly, you're now getting it cheaper than you originally were. And the fact I thought the Zone did a key media move, they called up key media members, including myself, the day before, and had their vice president on the line ready to answer your questions. And it kind of look if they had announced it without doing that. It probably would have been easier to be like, what the hell's going on? They framed it better. So that day, the next day, I'm, I'm on the pro to zone ship. I thought that was a really smart move. I think to, to make people, to make more people sign up long term and to take advantage of those one stop shoppers who are coming in and out. You, you but, know what, Brian? You know, wait, you know, you know, there was one, at least one key media member who didn't get the exclusive opportunity to speak with the zone, have my balls fluffed by the zone executives. It was me. So I don't have to, I don't have, I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. It was basically a smart move when you look at it in objective terms. However, I, I was just going to say, but I got a butt here. Rick. Go for I want it. you Go to hear it. my, I want you to see my butt. I want you to hear it. I will. I want to, I want to smack it. Wow. Wow. Let's talk about a fight that blew up in my face. That joke blew up in my face. Let me wipe the egg off my face. Um, the butt is this, Rafe. They're now paying. By the way, they were just offering Deontay Wilder, as we established, like insane money. They're already paying Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez insane money. Every time Anthony Joshua appears on that screen, they will be paying him insane money. Yet people like Glazer, and I don't know, at this point in the time, can you take anything Glazer writes on Facebook as as truth? But he's trying to claim that ESPN Plus has like 2.5 million subscribers and that DAZN only had something like 80,000. I don't know if that's true. But even if it's, you know, even if the percentages are a little bit off, at this point in time, can DAZN ever remotely make their money back? When is that Ukrainian oligarch going to go, you know what? I've put in a little bit too much right now. I know they got this new daily MLB show with highlights, but... In, in in-game rights, but um, you're paying a lot of people a lot of money. Granted, you have to. No one's going to come to the zone unless Canelo's fighting a quasi-pay-per-view fight on there. By the way, Jacob's not a quasi. It's a real pay-per-view fight. Can they kill pay-per-view? Can this model work, Rafe? Because it feels like um, every fighter they're willing to throw $100 million at. There's a lot we don't know about the zone's overall business model. First, we don't know how deep the oligarch's pockets are. If he is one of these true... Former Soviet oligarchs who has access to real state money, basically, then those are deep pockets. They can go a long way. It's also hard to spend that money outside of certain countries. So maybe spent, maybe using a lot of it in, in on U.S. boxers helps them in other ways. Another issue here. Are you talking about laundering? I don't know what that is. I've never even heard of that. Oh, Brian, wow. let's not even go down that road. Let's just say, however, that – the zone is a what what we are factoring factoring in here is that the zone is a pretty successful model outside of the United yes. States. They are their rights are big outside of they they if you go to a lot of European countries they will have 
pretty much every major soccer league except the, the the domestic league in that country. So if you're watching it in Germany, you'll get, you know, uh, Italian league and, and English uh, Premier League and stuff like that. They just won't get the German league inside Germany. So they have rights to that. They have rights to all the American. I mean, they have rights to NBA and, and MLB and NFL in, in Europe and Japan. They're a pretty they, – they, this model is working in other countries that don't have – the, the sort of sports giants like we do that don't have the ESPNs and the legacy things like Showtime and, and the, the artists formerly known as HBO boxing. Uh, here in the States is a much tougher road to hoe. And there, you have to be, they have to be committed to losing money for a long time if they really want to be a player. You can't just come in and, and win and take over in a year. This is like a, a decade long plan. If they are actually serious and still it could fail, but this is going to take a long time and a lot of losses to make that, to make that money player. And I think it only happens. They'll only be able to hold on that long if they are using some of the money. If, if they pool all of the disown money that they're making in other countries, the, the, the profits, if there's, if they're reinvesting the, the international profits from outside the U S back into the U S product because otherwise the u.s product is not paying for itself yeah there's still there's, there's gonna be a lot of questions on the u.s side no doubt for this type of money they're paying but look i will say canelo jacobs is obviously the right fight the right first giant one that they're gonna have that's gonna be a test of how many new subscribers they get for that one month and they've doubled the price which i think is smart and the hope that you can stay on for another month knowing you're getting aj on june 1st you're probably getting a a uh, triple G debut, right? Maybe against yeah, the yeah. You get, you get the big, the huge triple G Brandon Adams rumored fight coming on the heels of AJ and Jarrell Miller. It's just hard because for even though they have Bellator and Combate America, they don't seem to have enough yet because they don't have all the Bellator cards. They have a couple select ones that are. They don't seem to have enough yet. Where if you're an MMA fan, you have to have that. They certainly don't. You know, the, the, like look, an MLB show is great, but. You gotta have, you gotta, you're, you're basically going after like fight fans who also like baseball, right? Because you, you don't have enough there from, to make people have to pay that $9.99 a month yet and go for a year. Really boxing is the only people who have to have this service right now, a service that they have in, in this household. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to keep having this Evan Rutkowski to zone conversation for a while on the business side, but, uh, it's just, it's just weird, man. If that, if the pockets of that man are so deep, then. And you know, to, to succeed on this level, you gotta lose. UFC had to lose for a long time, Rafe, to, to come back around and win. And they're winning big time right now. Do you, it, let me ask it to you like this to close the conversation. Yeah. Ask me this question, bro. It's 2019 right now. Okay. Athletes still ask sleeping me. with a lot of women. In 2022, will the they zone, sleep with more women. will the zone A, oh, no, no. will the zone still be broadcasting boxing in the U.S.? And will they be the number one or number two? Oh, 2022. So we're putting the over under on. Ooh, wee. Um, you know what? In my media now, now the TV business is a lot different from the digital writing, whatever media that, that I am more familiar with. In my career, nothing lasts more than two or three years before the money dries out and they start looking 
for something new. It's time to pivot to video. Time to do whatever. So no, I don't think it's gonna last. I don't. I think eventually they they because okay. Here's here's why I think it's not gonna last. Some of these big rights are going to come up. Some of the NBA, some of the major major sports leagues rights are going to come up, and. DAZN will bid big on them. That is what John Skipper is there to do. He's not there because he is a boxing guy. We worked under him at ESPN, and he, I mean, loved a lot of loved loved high quality, long form writing. Helped me get a job at Grantland because of his because of his commitment to that. Loved 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 Scarface the movie probably. Um, oh, but, how dare! I mean, I got two words <laughs> for you. How dare you? I love that movie too. Fish scales, John. I got I mean, two hit me up on the lowest, Skip. Um, Brian, uh, what I'm saying is he's not there to turn DAZN into the place for boxing. He's there to get this business rolling so that they can be credible when it comes time to start bidding on a piece on a, on, on two NBA games a week or on some, some, something that really, that will really bring in the mass audience in the United States. All right, let me ask you this then. Let me amend that. If it's 2022 and they suddenly have two NBA games a week and rights to the ACC basketball conference and, you know, a small piece of something else. Do they keep spending this much money on boxing or was boxing their gateway drug to get really high? John. Yeah. I think that is a likely scenario if they win, but I, what I was, where I was heading with that is when those rights for the, the, for the college sports, for the, for the major uh, team sports leagues are available, the zone is not bidding for this against PBC. They're not, they're not bidding for this against Showtime or they're, they're bidding against huge. They're bidding against Disney, ESPN, Turner, TNT, ABC, the, the, the main networks, everything. And as deep as that, people with pockets just as deep who are going to be just as committed to Paying big to get the zone out the paint. And I think they're gonna, they're, they're, they're gonna, that's when the rubber will meet the road. And, if, and I don't think the zone is gonna win those, those bidding wars, even if they put up, cause how, how much do they have to overpay? Because if you're, if you're the NBA and you're cutting a deal and ESPN offers you, let's do just very round numbers, $100 million, like in the Dr. Evil voice. And, the zone offers you $110 million. Well, yeah, you can get more money on the zone, but you know that you get way more exposure, a whole apparatus to sell your product. You're going to take the slightly slower offer from the bigger platform. And I think, I think that's how it's going to play out unless they overbid like crazy money, which I don't even know if it's possible. And so no, I don't, I don't think in three years, uh, the zone's still going to be a player like this in the U.S. market. Oh wow, that was a nice little uh, soliloquy you had there. I like that. I like where you're going with that. You just solved. You solved it. You did it. You just cured it. All right. Hey, Rafe, let's roll on. Uh, Showtime said network we talked about it, that needs to come back with some banging. April 27th, Vegas, Robert Easter Jr. against Rances with Wolves Bartellamy, 140 pound fight main event. They're gonna have yeah. Effie of Jogbu and the co-main against some guy you never heard of. I f with this main event, Rafe. I like this fight a lot. I don't know if this is a Vegas Showtime main event, though, which is kind of where we're at right now with Showtime. We need them to come out with some all-killer, no-filler. This is a really good fight for boxing fans. How does it touch you? I for, wait, I, I forget who you – who's Easter fighting? Francis Bartholomew. 
Oh, get the hell out of here. Are you serious? I like this fight. It's going to be fun. Rancis has been trash for a couple of years no, now. No, just that Carol Relic fight. Stop it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Where are they, is it 140 or 135? Uh, it's 140. It's the main event in Vegas, which I think is and a little questionable, but you're going to get Easter coming up to Easter coming up to light, light welter. Uh, that is not a main event for any good boxing card. It would be a great, like Brooklyn co-main. It would be fantastic, but that's where we're sure. at right now. Showtime's got to bring it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to cash Showtime checks. I love me some Showtime rave. As a hardcore boxing fan, speaking to all the the influential network people who I know hang on every word I say, yo, y'all are spreading this product so thin that I don't even like following this right now. I do it because I like boxing, but this ain't fun watching eight fights a weekend and getting lucky when one of them is good. Wow. Wow. This, he spoke it. He spoke it. All right, Rafe, I quickly are going to need you to update your top three or five, depending on how deep you're willing to go pound for pound after Errol Spence by murder. I still have Vasily Lomachenko at number one. I have Terrence Crawford at number two. I have Errol Spence at number three and Ali Usyk at four, which apparently some hardcores will, would kill me if they heard that. Uh, I forgot who I had at five. Where are you at now post? Spence Garcia in your personal pound for pound. All right. Well, I'm making this off the top of my head. Um, oh, I'd Canelo five. I'd Canelo five. Sorry. Keep it. Yeah. Going. yeah. So, so there's some, uh, look, I think honestly that there, there are probably seven or eight fighters who, who, who you can argue deserve to be in any order. And you mentioned five of them. I think you, you also put three, 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 so in there. Yeah. He's in the top 10, but that, he's not top five. Could, right. I look, if you talk to the hardcores, they'll be like, you got to depend on who you talk to, because there, there's a there's a population of the hardcores who overvalue accomplishment in pound for pound. Accomplishment's part of the pound for pound debate. But to me, there's more value in I don't want to say more value in the eye test. The eye test is a big part of it, but more value in the idea of if they were in the same division and had the same strengths or advantages in their own division in that division. That's why somebody like Usyk. I think you would hold against him that he's not a big puncher in his own division. So yeah. if I'm like, if him and Spence were both cruiserweights, I gotta go Spence. Um, I, I, that's generally how I approach pound for pound list. I, I think it is more, uh, a, I look at it more as a judgment of who I actually think is the really the best. And I do think that after this Mikey Garcia fight, if you had Terrence Crawford in your top two and your top three, now there's no reason not to put Errol Spence where right next to Terrence Crawford because both of them have only one or two really good wins and they just look amazing outside of that. So if you think that they're the two best guys in the sport, go for it. Yeah. Um what do you think though? Uh, this is what the people want cuz you're not a big pound for pound guy. I know it. You don't you don't you don't jack back to that kind of stuff. But what do you got yeah. here top 3? Give it to me. I'm going I'm going um Crawford Lomachenko Jesus, am I going to say this? Canelo? Wow, wow. I hate that man. I can't – okay, I got him at five, I, and some people have him at two. I can't put him there because I thought he lost both Golovkin fights. Right, because so he loses every – he loses like half of them, his important fights. I also but, thought he lost to Trout and Lara, just for the record. Keep going. <laughs> I, I, I feel the same way, but at the same time, I, I also feel like he deserves a lot of credit for, for being in those fights and fighting even on even terms with all those guys. A lot of, a lot of the guy, uh, look, a lot of the people we're putting above him – Oh, you know what? Yeah. See, Lomachenko really does put distance between himself and other 
top. Like when he's in, he beats, he clearly beats great fight, not great, but very good fighters. Um, but, uh, you're a great look, fighter, but I fight great. That historic, historic yeah. fighters. Um, yeah, I'll go Crawford, Lomachenko. Canelo, do it. I'll be bold. I will be bold. All right. Closing up our news portion of the week, Floyd Sr. was quoted by uh, somebody, I think it was a Helen Yee type interview, in saying Floyd Jr. is training at the moment. Rafe, will we see Maypac 2 in 2019? And question number two, outside of a Tenshin Nasukawa circus rematch, is there any other active pro boxer that Floyd would face Besides can uh, besides Manny Pacquiao in 2019, go. Uh, nah, I don't think we're gonna see it. Is there anybody who faces what after Pacquiao? Would Floyd fight what? anybody else but Pacquiao this year? I think we're gonna see May Pac this year. I do think we're gonna see it. Oh my God, are you serious? When when are they gonna announce it? it? Why, well, don't I, do this I wonder to me, bro. if Floyd is thinking more September at this point because he can't get the May date because the the Cinco de Mayo because. You know, and why is Floyd just going to come back in in the middle of the summer? Now he fought, mind you, he fought McGregor in August because Canelo already had the September date, but they he tried to f Canelo by doing it a couple weeks earlier to steal his pay per view buys. So I would think it's more likely that Floyd would just announce, "Okay, I'm fighting Pacquiao September," and then Manny, you're, I'm sorry, you're not fighting Thurman next, unless, unless I don't know, I don't know. They say, look, okay, it, that that that's a different debate. Is there anybody else Floyd would fight in your mind besides Pacquiao? No, no. Not there's, even AB. There's, 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 there's like no money in it. Where's the money? I mean, All he's right. gonna fight because because and, and look, Floyd will never do this. But how awesome would it be to see him come back and take on one of those huge challenges? No, Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, something like that. That would be a dream. I actually, I think, even if even if he ends up losing, man, that's the kind of thing that could elevate his legacy in a way nothing could. else could. It losing really could. to one of those guys. I thought like two years ago, or if he would have come back and fought like a Golovkin or a Canelo for the middleweight title, I thought that could have taken his legacy to another level. But you're right, coming back and facing one of these young hungry lions, I mean, wow. There is a fighter who could beat Floyd Mayweather. It's younger Floyd Mayweather. But older Floyd Mayweather against one of these younger guys. Wow, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, we got to get out of there and we got to get into interview time, Rafe. Amir Khan, Terrence Crawford, the big pay-per-view fight coming up. We're going to go with Amir first and be back right after that to talk about it. Here we go right now, coming at you. Enjoy it. I got to start off just by saying congratulations, man. If there's a big fight, Amir Khan's going to find his way to get in it. How are you feeling, brother? I feel great, man. And I think always, you know, it's always amazing to be in big fights. Uh, especially in America. I mean, I'm from England and uh, I've been in the big fights in England, but there's something special about America, something special when you fight and top a bill over here, something else. Well, the last couple months, Amir, when Mikey Garcia was preparing to fight Errol Spence in their pay-per-view welterweight fight, everyone was going crazy. Mikey Garcia's got the biggest balls we've ever seen. And as that's going on, I'm like, hey guys, Amir Khan kind of does these type of things regularly. Whether you think it's a good idea or not, he's going to take chances yeah. and dare to be great. Do you feel like people were forgetting you in that? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm always trying to, uh, you know, get the big fights and reach greatness. And by having fights which are very, very hard, very difficult, and I'm never shying away from the biggest names in the world, so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I mean, I saw Mikey box really well against, um, 
Uh, I brought lost the fight against Spence, but he showed a lot of courage. He showed a lot of heart by stepping up in the first place, but going up two divisions. So you can't really uh, take that away from him. But um, but um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was a. It, it, I think it's good for me to do the same thing. I mean, people like Mikey kind of motivate me because that kind of shows that whatever I'm doing is right. And and you have to remember, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a short career in boxing, but I want to maximize it. I don't want to maximize it as much as I can. For sure. Do you have any regrets in moving up like you did, which was similar to Mikey, two weight classes when you took on Canelo Alvarez? Because it, they say high risk, high reward. Obviously, that fight didn't go uh, well for you, but do you regret it at all? Um, no, I don't regret it as, as, as much because I always would have, if I didn't take that fight, I always would have um, thought what would have happened if that fight ever happened. But I took that fight and obviously did it go my way. I think I was winning on points. I was putting a good fight on till I got caught with that big shot. Now that's boxing for you, you know. I think the shot he hit me with, he would have probably knocked out a lot of people. Um, but I see that if you look at Mikey's fight against Spence, Spence must have been maybe two weight categories above, yeah. But when I fought Canelo, I, I really believe that Canelo must have been about three or four weight categories above because when he hydrates, he gets really big. And you can see the size difference. When I looked in that corner and I saw him standing in front of me, he didn't look the same guy that I saw on the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I could see that for sure. Now, I got to give you a lot of credit, Amir, because you always carry yourself as a star even when things in your career aren't going for you, like right? Like you've come back from some big defeats and then won some big fights. How are you able to do that? Because you've seen a lot of fighters. They may be the biggest deal when they're undefeated, but they lose that invincibility and they're never the same mentally. How have you always been able to bounce back and then get yourself back into these big fights and remain being a star? What helps me, honestly, what helps me is praying. I pray quite a lot I, and, and that kind of helps me. You know, when, you, uh, when you've got gold on your side, and you had these hard fights, and then you go into a fight and lose a fight, and people think that's it, you're done, uh, and you're finished. And then you come back with a big bang again, and you prove people wrong. And also, you know, I, I, I'm doing it for my children, I'm doing it for my family. So that's my motivation, you know? You do it for them, and that's what kind of gives me that push, really. But there have come times where, um, you know, I've had some defeats, and a lot of people did say to me that, oh, he's done now, he's He's not going to come back and have bounced back again and been back in a big fight again. Yeah, I mean, do you think people underestimate your toughness in that regard? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, look, I've done it numerous times. I fought the best, and I've I've been in the I've been a professional boxer for fourteen years, and in the last ten years, I've been fighting world class fighters. Uh, and for the last ten years, to fight world class fighters and fight for belts and fight in the biggest arenas from the MGM, the uh, and 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 um, and the Madison Square Garden and the Barclays Center. I mean, it's amazing. So and so the last ten years have been crazy for me. I mean, normally people have a very short career as a professional, but I've been quite the lucky ones. I've uh, I've had ten years and I'm going strong from year one to year ten. It's been going. I've been going strong. For sure. Now you'll be fighting. Uh... A guy in Terrence Crawford, obviously, who, you know, you can take your pick on who you think the pound-for-pound pound king is. There are a lot of people th who yeah. think Crawford is. So when you look at this guy, undefeated, star at welterweight, what do you see that gives you that confidence that you can get one up on him on the highest stage here at MSG? I don't think Terrence has fought anyone like me. I mean, I work very hard. I always work like a challenger. This is a fight where I'm gonna go. I'm going into the fight as the underdog. <laughs> and normally, when I go into every fight, I'm 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 the guy who's supposed to be winning. I'm the I'm the bigger guy. I'm the better guy. 
this time I'm going to a fight, someone who's my own weight, who's at my own weight division, someone who uh, I really think I'm physically bigger than, I'm quicker than, I'm stronger than, and maybe I've got a little bit more experience than him. I've been in bigger fights and I've got a better res- resume. But they've got him as unbeaten. He's unbeaten and they've got him as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. I think this is my time now. Um, and it's all about the timing in boxing. And I think this just felt like the right time where after two wins, I'm coming back after the last like two fights ago. It was a Canelo fight. I've, I've redeemed myself. I've got the two good wins on my side. And now I'm back in a big fight again. And it's my time now to show where I really belong. Fighting someone who's my own weight and size. I mean, this could ultimately be be a, a beautiful matchup in terms of hand speed, in terms of boxing. Do you look at this as a as a chess match that you can win, or are you really open to wherever this fight goes? Um, we work in in the gym, so we work in. If it's if it's going to go down as a chess match, we're both good boxers. He's a southpaw, I'm orthodox. Uh, in stance, he's quick as well. He's sharp. He's very experienced. If it, it'll be a game of chess, it'll be it will be very tricky. Um, and then if it, if he wants to come to fight, I'm going to be ready for that as well. So I've been working everything. I've been working on all different styles. If he wants to come forward and, and exchange, we'll be ready. If he wants to have a game of chess, then we'll make it that way as well. I mean, there's a, there's certainly tape on Bud going back over a few different weight classes, but arguably the most success anybody ever had against him was down there at lightweight when Yuriorkas Gamboa for four or five rounds was really using that speed to confuse Crawford. Is that sort of something you look at, knowing how fast your hands are, that there's something there to be to learn from that fight? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've been watching that fight, and you know he won, he still won that fight, but I saw that he had some problems in that fight. Now, we're not going to definitely copy what Gamboa did. We're going to be smart in the fight. We're going to use my speed, speed something I have, and I'm going to use that. Uh, is he going to cope with my speed? I still I feel that I'm a lot faster than Gamboa was and a lot more accurate. I've been in the game a longer time and I fought better opponents than Gamboa did. Uh, I'll be physically a lot stronger as well. So I'm sure, you know, he's going to be ready. He's going to be trained, is, is uh, Crawford. But we're going to do what we have to do to win this fight, no matter what. I mean, I've, I've been training very hard for this fight and I see that he does have problems sometimes. But one thing about Crawford, he adapts quite quickly. So we can't really just focus on one thing. We have to focus on the numerous things because uh, he, he is a very experienced fighter who adapts quite well. And we have to keep on changing the game plan. Now you've been, uh, I mean, you've been to the top. You've been in pay-per-views in the States. You've been in Las Vegas. You've even been to the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, where this fight will take place on ESPN pay-per-view. That was 2010, Pauli Malignaggi, when you were climbing up the ladder. Uh Look, I grew up not, you know, a couple hours away from MSG. To me, Amir, that's that's the top. That's as big as it gets. What did it feel like for you inside that inside that building when you fought Malinaji? Did you get those same feels? Yeah, definitely get the goosebumps. Uh, it's amazing when you're in that arena and you've got your face uh, all over the place uh, on the arena, on the posters in New York, uh, on the big screen, and that's when you know you hit a big time. So when I was there first time, it was against Pauli Malignaggi. That was in 2010, uh, nine years ago. I mean, it's crazy how time flies. And that was my first fight in America. And uh, to have my first fight in America at the Madison Square Garden was amazing. And now again, I'm going back there. And I had great success. For the, I had great success the first time. I'm sure we can have great success there again. I mean, I, every time I fought in uh, in New York, and whoever I fought from New York, I've beaten in good style. So hopefully this is going to be another good one for me. 
Now, Crawford has proven to be a pretty good ratings draw, whether it be on ESPN or HBO. But to be honest, in the States, he certainly hasn't crossed over to the level of the athletes in the team sports. You know, there's still you can walk around the street. Not everybody's going to have heard of Terrence Crawford. So considering that that British fans travel anywhere, do you think you'll be competing here for in terms of grabbing the crowd inside MSG on this night in your favor? You know, honestly, I really believe that I will have more fans than Crawford going into this fight, uh, being in New York. Now, you see that the British like to travel. So you'll have a lot of Brits that will want will, to will come to see this fight. It's a big world title fight. Uh, the the pound, one of the best pound pound fighters is Terrence Crawford. So I'm sure they'll want to see that. And it's only New York, which is not a long flight for the people in the UK. Not only that, uh, you've got, I've got a massive fan base in New York. It's where my wife is from. And I don't know, when I walk the streets in New York, I'm always having people come over to me and question me, when are you fighting back in New York again? So I think this is a time where, um, you know, they can get a chance to see me fight once again in New York. So I really believe that I will have a bigger fan base than Crawford come April 20th. That could be very, very interesting. Now, I saw a tweet from Bob Arum of Top Rank, who, of course, is promoting this fight on Monday. He was taking a shot at Mikey Garcia. He says, unlike Mikey Garcia, Amir Khan goes into a fight intending to win. His boxing ability is phenomenal. He could give Terrence Crawford fits. He's capable of pulling the upset. Now, Amir, that's a complimentary take from the the Bob father. But you've read his quotes before. He could be a salty guy. It wasn't one year, two years ago that he was saying you had no chance. Who's Amir Khan? What do you think when you hear Bob suddenly putting you over here? Um, I mean, you know, he's a promoter at the end of the day and Bob is going to talk um, and, and say things to promote fights and at the same time, he's going to try to put you down. When I was with a different promoter, maybe he didn't get on with that promoter uh, and I tried to get the Manny Pacquiao fight. I got really close to it, but Bob then decided for me not to take that fight and didn't want me to want to give me that fight. Now, against Crawford, he knows that, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's sunk in now where he knows the fight's getting closer. There's no turning back now. So he has to promote it, but he knows that there is a risk as well in this fight because I can pull an upset off, you know. So um, I think he is coming to reality now and it is coming to him that, you know what, things can go wrong for him in this fight. And OK, fine, he's having a dig at Mikey Garcia. Maybe Mikey, uh, to him, uh, he, he felt like Mikey was just there as an opponent. I mean, one thing about me is I don't care uh, in any fight I go into, I try to win. Even if that means I get caught with a big shot, I get knocked out, I try to go in there and give my all, even even if it means getting knocked out. So that's the type of guy I am. I like to fight with my heart, and I like to give it my all. For sure. Now, i, I got to ask you here. The, the reason why, I mean, you're always seeking big fights, so fans love you. You fight with heart, so fans love you twice as much. But you seem to be able to circumvent in America sort of the political and network things that always block big fights from happening. You're fighting Crawford, but people have wanted Crawford to fight, I don't know, name them, right? Spence, uh, uh, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman. We've wanted to see Crawford against all those guys. How are you able to do it? Are you still with Al Heyman? How are you able to circumvent that where the other guys always say, you know, can't make it happen politically? Well, at the end of the day, I think it's up to the fighter as well as the promoter in, himself. Now, I'm a free agent as well as being with a matchroom uh, in the UK. So when this fight come to me and I had the option to take this fight, me as a fighter with my promoter, have a, I have a say as well. So I decided to take this fight and tell my promoter that I want this fight. Now, you have to make it happen. And my promoter went and said to me, go ahead and go make it happen then. 
if you really want the fight and you believe in it and you can win this fight, then make it happen. Now, with these other fighters that you've got, the Spences out there, the Thurmans out there, they can make these fights happen, but you have to push it a little bit and you have to believe in yourself. And with me, I've never ducked away from any big fight. Whenever it's, I've had the opportunity, normally it's me on the other side who's calling fighters out and I don't get those fights. For example, Manny Pacquiao, Mayweather, these are fights I never got. But I'm just that type of guy. You know, I take them risk fights. Maybe that's why, um, you know, I, I do get these big fights when I want them because people know I come to fight and I don't fear anyone. But um, it's up to the fighter. It's really up to the individual. If you really want to fight someone, you can make it happen, regardless which promoter you're with. That's very interesting because we just saw... Deontay Wilder get lured from a bunch of different TV networks at once and and he seems to be staying put and people are making accusations, but we never know what's going through a fighter's mind. But Amir Khan seems to show up on any channel at any time. So, I mean, maybe you're just more vocal. You know what you want. You speak up and you get it done. I have to commend that, Amir. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about speaking up and knowing what you want and, and doing it the right way. I mean, if you want to fight and you tell your promoter, I want this fight, It'll always come to a point. I mean, look, there'll be, there'll be talks now. Mikey and Crawford. No, sorry, not um, uh, Crawford and Spence. Sorry, and this is where Crawford and Spence maybe after my fight or maybe down the line in the future. Who's saying we want this fight and we're going to make it happen, regardless what TV channel it's going to be on. Let's do it for the fans. Let's do it for boxing, and let's do it. I mean, this is why uh, companies like UFC, MMA is probably surpassing boxing because the best are fighting the best. And in boxing, we don't really get that. You know, in boxing, we kind of just fall a little bit short, the best fighting the best. But like I said, I'm not one of them, and I'm trying to uh, give the fans the best fights out there. As long as I'm in the box, I'm, I'm in boxing, I'm trying to give the biggest fights and the best fights to them. And it's possible. Any fight is possible. Now, you mentioned you got really close to both Mayweather and Pacquiao, and I felt bad for your Amir on, in the Floyd situation. And look, he may, he's probably retired for good or, or, or we don't know, whatever. But like, when you look back on that whole soap opera of you chasing Floyd, why do you think in the end it didn't happen? Was he just being a jerk or do you think in the back of his head he's saying, I'm not going to risk it against a guy with this hand speed? Where, where are you at now years later when you look back at that? I mean, looking back at him now, I mean, he fought a guy who I already beat, which was Mike Cross Maidana. Uh, he done a poll who he should fight. And everyone wanted me to fight him. Uh, I just really believe that he just never wanted to fight me. Uh, he knows stylistically it's a very bad fight for him. And he probably thought, I'd rather take an easy option. I don't need to fight Amir. But who knows? I mean, he don't know the truth. Maybe he was offered a, more money fighting someone else. Um, it's just hard. You know, boxing now is not only the best fight in the best. It's more of a business as well. Floyd sees it as a business. And unfortunately, that fight didn't happen between us. Now, win or lose against Crawford, I feel like you're going to fight Manny Pacquiao one day. And I know it's such a great story because it goes back to to his prime, let's say, 2011, 2012, when you're with Freddie, so is he. And I'm sure there were legendary sparring matches going on. You still see that fight as a potential reality? And, and do you, are you itching for it? Yeah, I mean, I love that fight, definitely. I mean, Manny Pacquiao is a legend in the game. And um, I want to be in those legendary fights. So the day when I do call it a day, uh, from boxing and elite boxing, people do remember me as one of the guys who fought the best and never was afraid to fight the best. And Manny Pacquiao was definitely one name I love to fight. And I've been pushing for that fight for a long time. But all I can do is try. I can only try and try. And if a fight comes off, it comes off. If it doesn't, then, you know, at least everyone knows that I try to get the biggest fights and the best fights.
Now, Amir, you were sparring prime Manny Pacquiao. I mean, what were those like? Were you were you getting the better of uh, better? Yeah, I mean, we 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 grew up very hard. I mean, it was an amazing experience for me at first, you know, because I just come off come from the UK, being a young fighter, um, and 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 started my career in America under Freddie Roach, and it was what a great experience. I mean, the first day when I was sparring, he said, "I'll oh, get in the ring with Manny Pacquiao," and at that time, Manny Pacquiao was one of the most dangerous fighters in the world, and I was like, "Are you sure you want me to spar Manny Pacquiao? Like, this is my first spar." He's like, "Yeah." So for me, it was brilliant because for my confidence. It really did build me up. And when I started doing so well against him, that's when I thought, wow, you know, I've got a chance here to one day become a world champion. And then it was from there when I started believing in myself. And that's when I started winning world titles. I started becoming, going up the pound rankings and started getting the big fights. That's cool. That's cool. Now to, now to close. And of course, we're all excited about this Terrence Crawford fight. It's really right up there with, let's say, Canelo Jacobs as the biggest fights of the year. Uh, we thought it was going to be Kell Brook. Everybody thought it was going to be Kell Brook. Kell uh, yeah. Brook thought it was going to be Kell Brook. Are you now yep, yep. hanging the carrot in front of his head like Floyd once did to you? You know what? Uh, I try not to because I know how I felt when, when Floyd did that to me. Now, it's just the opportunity I had. Now, looking at his last fight he fought against, um, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, he didn't really box that well. I really wanted him to go into that fight in his last, in Kel's last fight and knock the guy out and look like a beast and, you know, come out and then call me out. But he looked so bad in the fight that really everyone started to say, it's not worth me fighting him. It's going to be a walk in the park. And then the option come between myself with me fighting um, Crawford. Now, when will I ever get the opportunity again to fight for a perfect pound title, fight one of the best perfect pound fights in the world, fight for another world title? I thought this is my this is a great chance for me to do this again and uh, it's a great fight that's going to motivate me as well so that's why I took this fight over the Kell Brook fight so Kell is from the UK that fight can go and happen in the future again if, and, and as long as he keeps winning and he keeps, uh, keeps out of uh, trouble but you know at the moment for me what makes more sense is Crawford and I think anyone in my position would, take, would have taken this fight over yeah. a Kelbrook fight. Yeah, you you lay that out well. I mean, uh, even a critic of Amir Khan can't. You just you nailed it. He didn't look great in his last fight. I completely understand it as well. And like you said, you could be fighting the best fighter of the world, and if you beat him, man, you're right up there in that discussion against the pound for pound best. Yes, we are, we prize fighters, aren't we? We prize fighters, and we want to make the most we can, and especially if it's on pay per view. And now, if you're fighting someone that didn't really look the best in his last fight your pay-per-view numbers are not going to be that good because people are going to be thinking you're going to walk in the park and beat this guy quite easily. So I had to make sure that I'm fighting a Cal Brook who is wanting to win, not doing it for the payday, wanting to win. Yeah. I want to close with this, Amir, and it's been great chatting with you. Uh, I covered the WWE as well on my podcast last week. I had a WWE wrestler named Mustafa Ali, and he had an amazing story he wanted to tell of how his whole way on the way up the ladder, they wanted him to be a bad guy. And he's a, he's a practicing Muslim. His parents are from Pakistani and Indian descent. And he fought the system the whole way and said, why can't I be a good guy? Why can't I represent my skin, my religion, people who look like me yeah. in a positive light? I have to believe that you've gone through some similar prejudices on your way up the ladder. How important is it for you to have that same message and put that out in the world? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's very important. You know, I'm a Muslim, and there's a lot of things that, you know, but Muslims don't have a good name, especially with what's going on with the 9-11 and everything else. And I think we are all seen all to be the same. So whenever you mention, oh, he's a Muslim, they're going to say, oh, he's terrorist and this and that. So I want to show that. I did. I looked at uh, this uh, number on, and it was 
0.05% of the people in the world who have done bad as Muslims were terrorists, 0.05%, which is a tiny number, tiny uh, uh, percentage. So what about the others? I mean, the others are like myself, who are totally against terrorism, totally against killing, killing innocent people. So we stand against killing innocent people and terrorism, and I'm one of them people to promote that all the time. So I think uh, this Mustafa is doing the, uh, Mustafa Ali is doing the same as me. I think we need more role models like Mustafa and myself to go out there and talk and not be afraid and hide away and talk about our religion, talk about how much we are against uh, terrorism and we are Muslims and what Muslims, uh, what our religion really teaches is peace and loving each other, you know. So um, I think people have just got the wrong end of the stick and I want to be like a spokesman for our people and hopefully, um, you know, we can we can get more people like this. Yeah, that's this. cool. That's cool. It's a great message, and you, you're able to be a role model for so many young people and give them the same kind of hope. Hey, Amir, great talking to you, man. We can't wait. ESPN oh, pay-per-view for this fight. Always a pleasure. Always a gentleman. I really wish you the best in this one. I oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely speaking to you guys. All right, Rafe. I got to say this. If I'm picking an all-interview team, and it's really always been this way, Mir Khan's a fun-ass interview. He's a real nice guy. And while when you talk to him, you begin to realize that there's a lot of reasons to love Amir Khan. Always wants to fight the best. Always willing to go out on his shield and show you that the guy has balls. I know that he can talk himself into making people hate him. And the fact that he's so cocky superstar yet has a often weak chin. People think he's a clown. And yeah, maybe AJ touched W, um, yeah, um, Rafe, why should we do anything but love this man? Um, it's interesting because I, you're right. I mean, and he sounded really good in that interview. You, Brian, really got the best out of that man. You might want to be his trainer, but um, I could whisper sweet he, nothings in there, like 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 courage. You got to. That's that's the way. That's the way you, you reach a fighter. Um. He sounded good. Like he was, he was giving, he gave Crawford a lot of credit for how good he is, for the way that Crawford gives you different looks in fights, for the way, for, for just how, how big of a challenge it would be to, to, to go in there and try and beat this guy who looks like he's really at the top of the sport right now, which is something that, yeah, Amir Khan has been trying to do almost every, you know, at all, at all times over the last five years, even when he's not getting those fights. Um, so he sounded good and he sounded like his, he, he's sort of clear headed and approaching this the right way. And it made me, you know, believe that he's going to come in and give a good effort. And that, and that makes me more excited about April 20th as a, as a fight. Even I hate to say it as a pay per view event because it is one. Uh, it makes me feel like you're going to get a, a, a version of Amir Khan that, that makes Terrence Crawford either do show how spectacular he is if he blows through him or or test him a little bit, give him a little bit of a Gamboa, you know, some, some, a few things to, to figure out in the first four rounds before kind of taking over and, and winning that fight. The other interesting thing, and this is maybe not from the interview, but just, you know, over the course of his career, Amir Khan is all, he's, he's a Southpaw killer, right? He's always been That's great against Southpaws. And, and to Terrence Crawford's whole switch hitting more dangerous as a Southpaw thing, is Bud going to go to that? If he does and he whoops 
Amir Khan in a southpaw position. Are you like, oh my God, how you did it in a southpaw stance too? Um, anyway, that's, that's an interesting wrinkle to this fight. I mean, look, the hand speed's real. He's going to be in this fight, just like he was in it with Canelo until he got stopped. He was certainly in it putting it on Danny Garcia until he got stopped. He'll be in it with those skills. I believe there are some fights where you look at Amir Khan and he's operating at Usain Bolt level speed. Well, I mean, fire, come on. By the way, Dwyer's taking some hard L's lately, right? Like ripping Errol Spence's back foot game and then having to describe how Mikey Garcia let him down. I mean, he's been he's been saying for a while that Pacquiao beat Spence. I mean, now I tell me if I'm wrong. Listen to this. Tell me if 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 Richard's not setting up to back Con in this. You're not getting value with Crawford. Especially not when Amir Khan is a six to one underdog. Folks, that's a joke line. You're telling me that if these guys fought seven times, Amir Khan would only win once? I don't believe that, not for a second. Let me also point out, too, the way I think life really works. (laughs) Right? Don't fall in love with the idea of, oh, he's a better man than the opponent. So I'm just going to take the better man in the fight. He should win. Right? I got news for you. Right? Better men often lose in matches. Rafe, I'm not sure what to take from that. Maybe it's kind of a better man on the inside than, than Bud. Where, what is that? Is Dwyer setting up for the upset here? That's a, that's a lot to swap. I mean, first of all, you know, I, I, towards the end of that, I feel like we went into therapy and he's talking about my life, you know, like, man, I'm, I, I always thought I was the better man. I just keep taking L's left and right. <laughs> matches, everything. Anyway, but, and he um, needs to, by the way, he needs to take his own advice. Don't fall in love with fighters who no longer exist. Because I'm not even sure, like, 2012 Americana exists anymore. Because, like, no. however you want to break down a fight, eventually they're going to punch. And then Julio Diaz almost stopped him. Sammy Vargas almost stopped him. You know, like, yes. come on. This is all true. Um Look, we know we we got to to give Dwyer credit. He approaches this as he tells us all the time as a hedge better, right? He he doesn't actually think that Amir Khan should win this fight. He thinks that there is a chance that that he could come out galvanized, have the best night of his career, and you know, crazy things happen in boxing. And and to him, on long odds, that's worth the chance. And of course, he's going to hedge that with. Crawford by knockout. Um, the classic Dwyer hedge. I mean, it's almost like, like you, you can, at this point, I know how Dwyer is betting every fight. He's taking the underdog and he's hedging the favorite by knockout. <laughs> you cracked okay? the code already, Rafe? <laughs> I, I, I have, I've seen a lot of Dwyer. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, you're right because he did hedge it a second later by telling us. Bud Crawford is dangerous. We already know he thinks he's the BEST at well at Walter Wade. Dangerous, so. Brian. Yeah. Um, I do agree. I, you know the one thing I disagree with there though that that Dwyer said. I don't just think that if Amir Khan and Terrence Crawford fight seven times, Amir Khan only wins once. Uh, I think that he loses seven times. <laughs> I think that Terrence Crawford wins seven times. I think they fight ten times. Terrence Crawford wins ten times. Yeah. I just. I think that he's that good. And one thing, I do think that Khan has sl- – he's still fast. He's got the hands. I don't think his feet are what they were. He used to have – I mean, you, you talked to Pauli Malinaji about how quickly Khan collapsed the pocket, was in and out of 
distance and and with those fast hands and how hard that was for a guy who fought Malinaji style to deal with back in 2010. Man, it's almost 10 years ago. Wow. Um, that con, I, yeah, that con no longer exists. Don't fall in love with a fighter who no longer exists. I think his legs aren't as fast or as fresh, which obviously happens to pretty much all fighters. Still got some hand speed, still got some pop, still got all that hey, heart. Don't, don't give me the full but, load right now, all right? Te- tease the bag a little. We're gonna have a full preview. All right, I'm te- look, 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 fine. Here's my thing. I, th- here's my, my, my big prediction. Terrence Crawford is going to look like the faster fighter in almost every regard when they fight. Wow. I just, for the last time, we got to pour one out for uh, Amir's package because the guy, I mean, like, he explained really well why he turned down uh, Kel Brook and went after the best fighter in the world, arguably. Are you talking about the package that we saw on Twitter that time? Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line. No, not his actual package, which he's shown before on the internet, but just like he puts, he puts his balls on the line every single time, right? For better or worse and makes big fights. Look, I couldn't get him to answer whether he's like officially still with Al or is Al just collecting a percentage, but it's obvious that he's a, in a friends with benefits plan with Al that no other PBC fighter gets. But you heard his speech about the reason why I keep fighting the best despite you know, network agreements and promotional beefs and all that is because I ask for it. Do you think more PPC guys could and should listen to that interview we just did or I just did with, with Amir and ask for it more? Like, can Sean Porter pick up the phone and say, Al, I want to fight Terrence Crawford next. Let's do it on ESPN pay-per-view. Let's make it happen. Yes, I think fighters should, if they're not doing that, they should do that. If they, they, they should not just sit there and do the like the famous Manny it's line. It's not of, should they, it's will they, Rafe. That's the thing. Will no. they? I don't think they will because one, if you're if they are looking at Amir Khan as an example of this, they have some examples of things that have happened to Amir Khan in boxing rings that are good reasons why you don't do that. <laughs> if you're trying to maximize your career earnings and minimize the damage you suffer in this very violent sport. So we respect Khan a great deal for the way he conducts himself in that regard. But it, it, I don't think it's, it ain't Floyd Mayweather style, you know, uh, career chess. All right. All right. Let's hear from Bud right here. The champion himself, Terrence Crawford coming at you. Enjoy. Right, great to talk to you as always, bud. But even greater this time because this is the big leagues now. We're talking pay-per-view ESPN April 20th, the world's most famous arena when you defend your Walter Waite title against Amir Khan. Uh, hey, bud, this is big business. This is what you want in this sport. How fired up are you for this night? I'm excited. Um, I just can't wait to go out there and go put on the show. Uh, this is the best division in the sport, really going back 20 years. And it's as deep right now, Terrence. I'd say personally, uh, as I've seen it since really that, that Trinidad, De La Hoya, Mosley, Quarte area, a couple other names in there. Uh, you agree with that statement? Are you looking at this as a historic period for this weight division? How do you sort of see it? Uh, of course it's a, a great division right now. Uh, there's a lot of great fighters in the division that's, uh, making a name for themselves and I'm just happy to be a, a part of it. And of course we all want to see them face each other so we can naturally find out who's the man right now. But I think 
until we see that, we're starting to see that, critically, pound for pound wise, I think universally you are getting the call right now for as great as Errol Spence looks, for Keith Thurman coming back, for Manny still lingering. I'm seeing almost universal you're getting the call as the best in class at the moment. You keep up on this at all? How much does that matter to you until you get a chance to fight these guys that people sort of look at you as best in show? Um, I get a mixture. Uh, a lot of people say I'm the best. Some say Errol Spence the best. Um, you have uh, quite a few say Keith Thurman is the best. Uh, we we won't know until we all fight each other and. Uh, the last man standing will be crowned the best of the division. Yeah, no doubt about it. And look, this is going to be a fun fight for you against Amir Khan because of his style, because of his name, the pay-per-view, the glitz and glamour that comes with being at MSG. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Amir Khan's balls, Terrence, because this guy will fight any big name at any time, and he didn't back away from this. How much does that change when you're going in there against the guy? Yeah, he's got flaws. Everybody's got flaws. But, man, this guy comes to win. Uh, everybody comes to win. Uh, I haven't fought uh, any top opponent uh, that came to lay down. And yeah, I was saying this is a big opportunity for him. So um, nobody's really going to uh, come to lay down. Uh, I don't expect him to come to lay down. I expect uh, a good, hard, hard fight come fight night, and I'm looking to be spectacular in my in my uh, fight come April 21st. All right, when you look at Khan's recent run, it, it, it could be a mixed bag. Yet at the same time, yeah, he was knocked out at middleweight against Canelo Alvarez, but he's never lost as a welterweight, and the only loss he's had. Against a guy at his weight class, you got to go back to 2012 and Danny Garcia. So, where do you see Khan at age 32? How dangerous is he compared to the best Amir Khan we've seen before? Oh, he's very dangerous. Uh, he has the uh, skills. He has the experience. He's not just uh, fast. He knows what he's doing in there, and I got to be careful uh, uh, with how I approach this fight. Speed is always a factor when you're facing Amir Khan. He says, when I talked to him last week, he watched the Gamboa fight. He saw maybe there's an opening there that speed can be a big factor against you. How do you counter that? Well, listen, timing beats speed any day of the week. So, you know, of course, Gamboa, uh, speed, uh, he has some success early on in the uh, fight, but it just wasn't his speed. I believe it was his height as well. And um, I just feel like, you know, we capitalized on everything we had to capitalize on and we got the victory, so the rest is history. Khan mentioned one thing. He says he considers you a southpaw, Terrence, because a lot of your fights end up that way where you make a change. And that's something you've been able to use brilliantly at any point, whether you're behind or you need to give your opponent a different look. You go southpaw, it feels like the fight ends in terms of competitiveness. He's preparing for you to go southpaw. Do you plan out ahead of time when you're going to make that change? I mean, do you know right now how you plan on starting and how you plan on finishing against Khan? Uh, not really. It's just how to uh, fight those. You can plan on 
whatever you want to play it on, but it still is not going to change anything. I feel like I'm the better fighter, and come fight night, I'm going to prove that. What's your thought about the idea? Khan's had some chin issues at times. Even in wins, guys have knocked him down that you would say maybe they're not the biggest puncher. I mean, heck, if you took away that chin issue, maybe Khan would be one of the better fighters of this era. Is that something that you know, hey, I can go after that if I need to? Uh, or, or, or is it is it the kind of thing you can't put your too much stock into that? How do you see the, the chin issues that have followed Amir? I don't, I don't I don't too much worry about that. You know, being that um, styles make fights. You know, and um, my styles are different styles than the styles that he's been up against. So my job is to focus on what I need to focus on to get the uh the the win come fight night. I'm not too much concerned about how how Khan's gonna, you know, come in or or whatnot or how he's gonna fight. I'm going in there to fight my fight and that's all that I'm focused on right now. Talk to Amir about fighting at MSG. He's fought there before. You fought there before a few times. But considering how well British fans travel and considering the star that Amir has been, he went out and said, look, I think I'll have more fans on April 20th inside that building than Terrence will have. Do you agree with that? Does it matter to you? Where do you sit with that? Well, we'll see. You know, uh, that we'll see. I don't, I don't, you know, too much care to think about what, what he thinks, um, it doesn't matter. We still got to fight. That's fair. That's fair. I can, I can stand behind that. Now, let's talk about this as you go into this fight. Uh, it's big business now. We just saw Errol Spence and Mikey RC on pay-per-view. This is a pay- You've been on the pay-per-view level before, but this is a bigger opportunity when you consider it's ESPN. You're the face in many ways of boxing on ESPN. How competitive are you from the business standpoint where, yeah, you want to beat Amir. I'm sure you want to do it impressively. But do you have a certain number in your mind, competition-wise, of I got to move this much product as a brand? How much are you competing in that realm against the other fighters, Terrence? I really too much don't worry about that. I let uh, my team worry about that. My 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 main focus is making sure that I'm 100% come uh, fight night and that I make sure I get the win. That's the only thing that's on my mind right now. All the other stuff can I can think about it and worry about it after the fight, but my main uh, focus is on the marathon. All right. Well, you mentioned your team there. Part of the extended team is, of course, top rank promoter Bob Arum, the the Bob father, the OG. I mean, this guy's wilding out, Terrence. Every time I talk to him, he's talking about weed and getting high. This guy's crazy. We know that. But one statement he keeps making lately is Terrence Crawford is the best welterweight I've ever seen even better than Sugar Ray Leonard. When people hear that, they go, wow, because there's, you know, there's a respect factor. Leonard's the all-time great, of course. But, uh, Terrence, people aren't necessarily arguing against it. There's some shock value in hearing that. But they're going, hey, Terrence looks pretty damn good up to this point. When you hear Bob say that, I'm, I'm interested how you respond. Because some guys might feel the pressure. Some guys might say, I'm already better than him. How do how do you respond when Bob runs his mouth like that? Uh, I don't. I don't respond like uh, anything. I just let him, you know, 
great me. He, he my promoter, and he's promoted a lot of great fighters in the past. And for him to rate me that high, you know, uh, it just it just a telling to where I've taken my career from, you know, 2008 to now. To not not even 2008, from 2014 when I first won my first world title. So, you know, for me to be accomplishing the things that I have accomplished in the sport of boxing in a short period of time from when I um, unified the division with uh, Victor Postal, it just tells how uh, my career is blossoming. Definitely. I think the thing that separates you in my mind, Terrence, when I declare you of the welterweights, I think you're the pound for pound best. And it's not just the skill. you got tremendous skills. We know that. In fact, I think maybe from a true skill, creativity, adjustments, you might be the best in that category as well. But I think you've got a backbone. I think you've got a level of dog inside of you that just is different than a lot of these other guys. How many people in this division do you think have that? That old school, no matter what, I'm going to go in there and get the win. Is it something that's lost on this new generation? Do you see it in the other big welterweights when you watch them? I don't know. You just have to. Uh, you have to see. They got. They got to get put through the test. You know, anybody can say, "Oh, I have dog in me," or "I have this," or "I have that." And if if you never been through anything uh, the show, you have dog, or you can overcome uh, certain obstacles. Then uh, all all you're doing is just you know stating an opinion because we don't know. Because sometimes I'm going to just use an example. I'm not calling these guys out, but you know, we saw Terry, we saw, let's say, for example, Keith Thurman get a, get a good win over Danny Garcia a couple of years ago, but you hear the, the haters on the internet going, well, yeah, he kind of ran the last few rounds. Or even Sean Porter gets a close win over, or Dennis Ugas, but a lot of people saying, well, Ugas looked better. Sean kind of ran out down the stretch. I never see Terrence Crawford not finish a fight as strong as he possibly can. So is that something maybe that might separate you from the other guys? Uh, a win is a win. You know, uh, I don't, I don't knock, uh, those guys for how they finish the fight, uh, long as they finish it. You know, boxing is a crazy sport. Um, we all out here fighting, you know, our hard outs and doing everything we possibly can to get the win. So that's our main goal and our objective is to get the win. So however the win comes, the win is a win. That's a very fair statement. I can't argue against that, bud. You're a very fair man. Now tell me your thoughts on Spence's victory over Mikey Garcia. We didn't know if it was going to be a mismatch coming in. We didn't know if it was going to be a career-defining fight. Spence looked fantastic in the end. How did you rate the performances of both fighters? Oh, he did. Spence did real good. You know, uh, he utilized his jab, uh, his distance. Uh, he didn't let Mikey Garcia get in a rhythm or get in his distance and his range. Uh, Mikey Garcia, uh, much shorter, arm shorter. He's much slower. So, uh, I expected Spence to do what he did, uh, in that fight. Uh, I actually picked Spence. To uh to win, uh, a lot of people asked me that I think he was gonna knock him out, and I said 
I don't know. It just it just depends on how Mikey Garcia fight. And as you see, Mikey Garcia was very defensive. Like he didn't really, you know, let his hands go. And not not that he didn't try. He just couldn't because he was at a distance where his arms wouldn't let him because his arms was much shorter than Spence's arms. So Spence can hit him where Mikey Garcia arms is too short. He couldn't hit him. So he had to take more chances and risks than Spence did because Spence was on the outside. And I believe that he thought Spence was going to try to walk him down and push him around and that would give him the opportunity to catch Spence in the middle of those transactions. But Spence showed him a different look that he wasn't prepared for and got the unanimous decision. Do you think Mikey should continue uh, campaigning at welterweight? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, who knows? Uh, He didn't look, his body didn't look like a welterweight. Uh, I believe he he still can go down even to 140, 135. Uh, but if you want to, he still can campaign at uh, 147. He didn't get knocked out. He took a lot of punishment, but at the same time, he withstand the storm and you know he made it to the finish line. All right. Well, as you already know, you do a lot more of these interviews than just this one. Everybody's going to ask you about Spence until it happens. People are now saying, well, maybe we can build a Mayweather-Pacquiao-type build where two different networks get involved and we wait a few years. That did great business for Mayweather and Pacquiao, and then we finally saw it. How uh, how much you care right now about what Spence is doing? I mean, are you behind the scenes knocking on doors saying, as soon as we can possibly do this, I need to fight Spence and prove I'm number one? Well, I believe I'm number one. I've been saying I'm ready whenever, uh, whenever the fight is ready to get made. Uh, but like I said, my main focus is not Spence right now. I'm more focused on American, you know. So that's my uh, number one priority right now. And after the fight, then we can talk about uh, possible fights in the future. But like I said, I'm ready and willing to fight any and everybody in the division. That's uh, a top welterweight. If you get through Khan, and, and no disrespect to Khan, you're not looking past him. I certainly understand that. But it's no lie politically, Terrence, that whether we're talking about a Spence, a Thurman, a Porter, they Pacquiao, they have more options on their side of the street politically than you do. So how do you get one of them to cross over? Because – Porter has gone public and said he did receive an offer from top rank to fight you last time. And after he beat Ugas, he said, I'd love to fight Crawford. We've got business together. Can that happen from where you sit right now? If you beat Amir Khan, can you close 2019 against a big name PBC guy? I don't know. Um, I don't believe that's what Porter said. He said, uh, if me and him was going to fight, it's going to be up to us, not the promoters. I believe that's what he said. Uh, being that me and Porter is actually good friends, uh, being good friends since the amateur days. So that will probably be one of the last welterweights I ever fight. If we ever did fight, you know, uh, we'll probably fight because that's the last fight to fight. But as far as all the other welterweights in the division, 
whenever, you know. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm not ducking no wreck. I'm, I'm here, you know, to, to claim my throne. And how has your career changed since Top Rank moving business to ESPN? And like I mentioned, you know, whether it's you or Lomachenko, you guys are the face of where this is going. How has that changed things for you? Um, I really, I really can't say. You know, um, of course, there's more people that watch ESPN uh, than HBO, so the following has gotten bigger. Um, so yeah, uh, there's there's a bigger following that's watching you and it's on uh, basic cable, so you know, more people can actually see you than fighting on premium cable. So that's a plus. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I wanted to ask you this as we close here, Terrence. It's been great talking to you. There's become sort of a stigma that's associated with fighters from different areas. And I'm not saying stigma in a bad way. If somebody tells me they're a Philly fighter, I know they're going to go and fight till the till the final blow. They're going to be there the entire time. Uh, you're putting Omaha on the map in a lot of ways in terms of boxing. What's an Omaha fighter? What does that mean? Uh, people that say they Philly fighters and they uh, New York or Texas or California, those are bigger cities that's known for, you know, boxing and stuff like that. Uh, but it don't matter where you're from. You know, I just believe it's the it's the person. You know, there's great fighters and great champions from all over the world that came out of nowhere that you would never thought they would come out of. You know, uh, just because you're from Philly, that don't make you better than a person from Iowa or something like that. You know, that you don't know nothing about. Because, you know, Philly might get more attention than this fighter from Iowa, but at the same time, you see it time and time again, you know, this fighter that has all this backing and support moves to this fighter that nobody really knows about because he never had the opportunity to get the same backing as this Philly fighter. So it's just the fighter. I don't believe it's where you at. Of course, uh, if you in those bigger cities, you're going to have better opportunities uh, than a person coming from Nebraska or Iowa. Uh, But I'm changing that for Nebraska right now, you know, uh, as we speak. But, you know, the sparring, the the management, the promotion, and just everything that's around the, the, uh, the boxing. You know, like right now, uh, New York used to be the boxing mecca uh, for professional boxing fights, but now uh, Las Vegas has taken that over. So things and times change. Yeah, that's fair. You ever brought with that dude Ron Stander? No, I know, I know Ron Stander. You know, Ron is a good dude. He always support him and his wife. Uh, they come out to to my fights. You know, they always. 
wish me well, and I've been all around since since I was a little kid. That's awesome. You've you've taken what he's built in Omaha and take it to a whole new level, Terrence. Great to see, you, man. We'll see you in the ring. Pay per view, ESPN, April twentieth, MSG against Amir Khan. This one should be fun, Terrence. Thanks for the time, buddy. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Rafe, look, Bud has grown a lot in terms of being interviewed. He was really bad in the beginning of his career. He almost kind of took a step back in this one, though. And I think it's just because he doesn't want to go down the road of saying, yeah, F. Errol Spence, I'll beat him right now. He's telling you sort of, yeah, I'll, I'll fight him when when it makes sense, and I think it's a fight we can make, but right now I'm focused on Amir Khan. And if you come at him with the Amir Khan said this about you, he said that about you, Bud will give you that. Well, we'll we'll see on fight night. I mean, Bud's a gangster. There's a real backbone in there. I tried to tell him. I said, look, you know, Thurman, we love him. But I don't think he's the same man. Sean Porter, you saw him against Ugas, sort of circling away late. I don't think he's the same man as you, Rafe. When it comes to the real backbone, I think Spence and Bud Crawford have been taken from the 1980s and, and put in a time machine and they're fighting today with that old style that no matter what it takes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Bud's just gangster like that. And it's really hard to bet against fighters like that. And that may not have been the most high flying interview with trash talk. But he don't F around, Rafe. He cashes checks. He beats up guys who don't uh, detail his car the right way. And he's going to win in that ring. I I tend to agree. And I, I, that's one thing I really like about both Crawford and Spence is they have that soft-spoken but don't ever miss you. But even as little as they say, as few words as they speak, as so, as as light as their tone can be, you never – at once in your mind think that this is a soft person or that this person is anything but a stone cold killer in a boxing ring. I mean, they, they have an aura about them that is like, they have a real hard edge that, that, that comes off even when they're mumbling and saying nothing. It's, it's something about them. These That's guys why you got to look at the entire man. You got to find out what, you know, what's in there. I mean, cause you know, look, there's no tug of war of kindness when you're going back and forth with, with, with a Bud Crawford. It was like a tug and war of kindness. Every time I was kind, she would be more kind Then I'd be more kind Then she would be more kind. It... And yeah, yeah. Well, you know, folks, that's not the way men do. Well, come on. All right. All right. All right. That was Dwyer's voice. not mine. Um, Bud's, Bud's the real. He's the real, and we're going to find out on April 20th. Very much looking forward to this fight. I'll be there, ringside, the garden. You, Rafe? You, by any chance? You? Afraid not, brother. Uh, I'm going to, that's, that's the beginning of my, uh, my sojourn, uh, in Manila. So I'll be out of oh, town for Manila. a couple of weeks, but I'll be happy to, to log in and, and discuss the fight with you. Uh, no Is this problem. Business but... or pleasure, Rafe? I, a little bit of both. You know, I always have some meetings with people I know, but it's really just to get back, feel that extremely hot. I mean, it's the dead of summer in the Philippines uh, right now and it will be even more. So when I arrive in mid-April uh, and yeah, you know, it's, 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 I, I, I don't feel right if I don't get back for uh, at least a couple of weeks each year. All right. Are you pro boner? I've always been pro boner. Yeah. All right. Just rolling on here. A weekend preview. Do you care time? Rafe, this could be an all timer. I'm wondering if you're going to care at all. Are you ready? We're gonna. This is gonna be quick. Are you ready for this, Rafe? I'm, I'm gonna do my best. All right. Friday night, Las Vegas, Showbox. 
Angelo Leo versus Neil Tabano, 10 rounds, junior featherweights. Do you care? Hell no. All right. Friday night, ESPN Plus from the UAE, Rafe, United Arab Emirates, up in Dubai. Davy Olivier Joyce versus Stephen Tiffany. Ten rounds. Who's feather- promoting Who the that? hell is, is that, promoting why is, this? Why, is that a is that a Frank Warren thing? How does that end up on ESPN Plus? And and they they got that, but not the Kerman card. You guys, stop that crap. No, I don't care. All right, I know that part of you cares about this. Saturday, Guatemala City, Guatemala. Lester Martinez versus Ricardo Mayorga. Six oh. rounds, and are you ready for this? Light heavyweights, Rafe. Mayorga's the former welterweight champion of the world. Light heavyweights. Do you care? Um, yeah, I care because it seems like a perfect setup for uh, Maidana Mayorga uh, in the very near future. Oh, my God. Wow, Rafe. Wow. I mean, like, I always care when Mayorga's fighting somewhere around the globe at, like, age 50 against somebody. It's going to be extra sloppy. It's going to be incredible. You know I love me some, Ricardo Mayorga, but light heavyweights in Guatemala, six rounds, Rafe. How did we get here? Hashtag boxing, man. Yeah, I guess you're right. Saturday in Hermosillo, Mexico, Rafe. Ramon Alvarez, older brother of Canelio, versus Jose Carlos Paz. Ten rounds, junior middleweights. Do you care? I care. I love me some Ramon, not Canelo Alvarez. Yes, yes. All right. Yeah. All right. That's that. Uh, finally, Rafe, really, this is the whole weekend for you. Finally, Saturday, from Clackamas, Oregon. Shout out. I don't know if he'll be on this card. I know, I know, you, I know where we're going. But with I think this. he has to be the beard, Patrick Connor of, of the, of the podcast. What is it? It's, it was called Top Men. What is it called these days? I believe it's Knuckles and Gloves. Knuckles and Gloves with, with our guy BJB, Bryn Jonathan Butler. I love me some Patrick Connor the beard. Stevie Forbes, two pound. Yes, the guy who fought Oscar, the contender guy. He's back, Rafe. What is he, like 40-something? He's going to be fighting Tavoris Teague, seven rounds, junior middleweights. This is a card he promotes in Oregon. He's got a little thing going on there online. Patrick Connor calling the fights. Forbes Teague, do you care? Oh, I care about so many of these people involved, but I, I won't be watching the fight, but I care. All right, Rafe. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend? Because uh, you're not going to be watching fights. I'll be in New York Brooklyn, Jersey, WrestleMania. I'll be getting my wrestling on, Rafe. I'll be watching Japanese guys in Madison Square Garden. I'll be doing a lot of wrestling. Yourself, you got anything planned? Well, it's it's the Final Four, uh, the end of the NCAA tournament. I feel like that's a good way to spend a Saturday. Besides that, I got no effing clue, brother. All right. You sound very disinterested about boxing, about life. Uh, I hope you're doing well, Rafe. All right? I hope. I, you know, that's why I'm here to spread the cheer and the joy. All right. It's not a rat race, guys. Every day is a gift. Inside that big scrotium, scrotum, is huge, huge testicles. Thank you, T Street. I, I, I F with T Street. He's got real big balls. Yes, he does. He does T Street. I F with T Street. I shout out to him on YouTube. I'm, I'm getting Rafe books like I'm going down the food chain. I'm listening to a lot of different people these days, you know? There's a lot of, there's a lot of gold out there. One thing, you know, it's a slow period in boxing, but when we look back at the last couple of weeks, all of the ridiculousness in boxing <laughs> right now, it has been Really, really paying off. The sport never finds a way to leave you bored, or uh, except sometimes when Tyson Fury and others like him are fighting. And, uh, but you know, you're always gonna have fighters kissing other fighters at weigh-ins, fighters 
doing all sorts of inappropriate things after fights, talking. You're going to have Ryan Garcia rapping, acting in terrible teen movies. There's always going to be something to laugh at. Thank you, Bob. Shout out to our guest, Samir Khan. Shout out to Terrence Crawford. Revisit their collaboration on April 20th on ESPN Pay-Per-View. Uh, shout out to our, uh, 2017 and 2018 fan of the year on the In This, In This Combat podcast. Uh, what was the guy's name again? You're talking about Alex Godinez? Yeah, of course. Godinez. That's my guy. How could, how dare I? Shout out to that guy. Shout out to the Irish crew. Uh, Rafe, shout out to you. Uh, thank you. Shout out to you. No, thank you, but thank you very much. Uh, shout out to all your wrestling fans. And shout, shout out, out to Richard I, I'm Dwyer. sure you listen to this. Richard Dwyer's played a big role on the show today. Shout out to him and then, uh, you know, something to remember on the way out. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Yes. Shout out to Evan Rakowski who feels the show. Uh, you got any other shout outs, Rafe? I can't think of it. I mean, we really, I don't know. Shout out to the, the, I don't know, something. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to something. Bob, Bob Aram. Hello, grandpa. All right. That's great. Okay. Enjoy WrestleMania. We out.